fun. Someday I'll be on a podcast with Momo and she'll talk. Because <laughs> she didn't say anything during the cinematography one either. Hey guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I'm Snowfox. And I'm Omotastic. And today we are doing another episode review for you. We are at season two, episode four, Lancelot and Guinevere. And today we have not one, but two amazing guests with us that I am really excited about and is bound to make this a very long episode. <laughs> so we have Academy Award winner Amphigori. Hello. Hello. And we have, for the third time on Merlissen, Altocello, and we are very excited to have them back. Say hi. Hi. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, before we do that, let's get into the usual spiel. Sure. Let's hear some news. After Kamlan Big Bang has matched up all authors with an artist. To see the complete list, check out their life journal. And this is your reminder that the Merlin Forever community on Life Journal has an ongoing rewatch of Merlin. They're currently nearing the end of season three. Rewatches are almost every Friday at midnight Central European time, 6 p.m. Eastern USA, and Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Australian time. You can participate in the group rewatch by joining the chat room on Chatsy or posting in the Life Journal community's discussion post for that episode. And that has been it for news. Back to rocks. Hello. We have talkbacks for you as usual. So let's just get into the talkbacks because this is probably going to be a lengthy episode. Anyway, we have got a talkback from Marky who left a comment on our modern AUs episode. And they said, I would have loved it if you had expanded on what writers usually replace magic secrets in non-magic AUs with. When there's something Merlin doesn't disclose at first in the first place, many writers gloss over the thing entirely. Magic is such an intrinsic part of him, and the fact that he can't reveal it plays a huge role in his interactions and behaviours. I have a feeling that this originally came from the Discord. Because I had, a, I feel like I had a conversation with people about this already. I'm pretty sure and, I told Marky to leave this comment so that we could discuss it because yeah, we didn't do it on the episode yet. Exactly. And my kind of gut reaction to this, and I, I think a few people agreed with me, but I want to get your guys' read on it, is that I actually would argue that magic, yes, it's a part of Merlin, but I, I mean, he, he so easily fits into the non-magic lifestyle in a way maybe not like in the first few episodes but by the time we get into like even season two yeah he uses magic but he really is not the kind of you know druid messiah magic encompassing character that like i think people think him to be magic is for him instinctual but it's not really a cultural thing like he doesn't really know any druids he's not clued into that kind of lifestyle he doesn't even know about his own destiny and he has kind of 
done things throughout his life that have impacted badly on the druids just because he wants to protect those closest to him that are not magic users and i think what we discussed in the chat was that actually he almost has this place of privilege where he can behave as a non-magical person in camelot as difficult as that is for him and has a position you know at arthur's side and all the rest of it and actually magic you know, isn't this all-encompassing thing for him, in my opinion? But I'm curious what you guys think. I would agree. I feel like... I mean, obviously, magic is an important part of who Merlin is, as seen in Season 5, when he loses his magic, you know, how how lost he feels. And in Season 1, when he says, if I can't use magic, then who am I? you know i'm I'm paraphrasing obviously so i mean i would say that magic is an important part of who merlin is but it's not something that dictates how he lives his life you know it's like for him having magic is like having dark hair you know yeah. it's just it's just part of it's just a part of who he is as a person it doesn't doesn't really change anything else. And I mean, obviously, in canon, he has to keep it a secret because otherwise he will die. But, or, well, will be killed or can't protect Arthur anymore. Whatever will be the consequences. But I don't think that that necessarily has to be a part of modern AU plots. Like, I know there are modern AU stories where magic is also forbidden and so he keeps his magic a secret because of that. But other than that, I don't see why in a modern world he would have to keep something a secret, even if it's a non-magical AU. Like, the only reason he does keep secrets is because he's forced to do it. And I think it's difficult from an audience perspective to be like, well, I really feel his struggle with him keeping this a secret when he uses magic on a weekly basis. Like, every single week that we see him on Merlin, he's using magic. Yeah. He has to kind of do it out of Arthur's view, but he's still doing it. And I think that actually his struggle is not that he can't use magic or that his magic is causing him distress. I think that Merlin's real struggle is the fact that he can't tell Arthur and he because he can't tell Arthur, Arthur doesn't appreciate him and he wants to be appreciated I don't really think that him not being able to use magic or something is ever a problem in Merlin, but that could just be bad writing. But as we know, he uses it all the time. I love this this tangent. Definitely a good tangent, an interesting tangent. But the actual question was, what is the magic replaced with in non-magic modern AUs mm -hmm. if Merlin feels like he has to keep something a secret? And I would say, also based on... This conversation that we just had there isn't really much that i can think of like yeah. if, if i'm trying to think of things that merlin would keep a secret from arthur in a completely non-magical au i can't think of anything and and he doesn't really and yeah. i and i mean yeah, there's and, yeah. there's i think there are two stories that come to mind where he has a secret that he's keeping from arthur one of them is about 
Merlin being homeless, so he keeps that a secret from Arthur because he's worried what Arthur will think of him if he finds out that he's homeless and Arthur is actually still rich in this in the story. And the other one is that he has a very bad uh, skin condition that I forget the name of, but he like breaks out and rashes very, very easily if he doesn't treat the skin well. And so he tries to keep that a secret from Arthur because he's, again, worried what Arthur will think of him if he finds out that Merlin is, you know, has a chronic illness like that. Yeah. So, but these are the only two stories that come to mind off of the top of my head. And I, I will find them. Like the, the one with the skin condition is called Skin Deep. And the other one, I forgot what it's called. But there is Podfic of it, so I will find it again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these are, there, there's not really anything that is very commonly substituted for magic for Merlin to keep a secret because if if magic either isn't outlawed or if magic just straight up doesn't exist in this universe Merlin has no reason to keep any secrets yeah exactly it's I mean yeah it's just it's just bizarre how it's such an it's such an intrinsic part of their relationship and their dynamic this kind of imbalance of knowledge and yet it still feels like them even when that isn't a part of it which i mean i guess is just a testament to how like strong their characters kind of are in canon and that we can still imagine what they'd be like if there were no secrets between them but yeah it's interesting that really you can still write them without it even though it's such a huge part of their relationship like their whole relationship is based around the fact that one doesn't know something about the other the only other thing I could think of where Merlin was hiding something from Arthur in a modern AU would be, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I have, I'm thinking of a reverse, not a reverse, this is actually a Big Bang fic called, in a world called Catastrophe, where I think Merlin was mm. in the military and he was hiding, he was keeping his, um he had like some PTSD and he was keeping it really. On the down low? Yeah, he was like, you know, Arthur's always like, what, can I talk to him? He's like, no, 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 no. no. But I don't know if that would qualify. So, <laughs> I I mean I I suppose it would. Clearly, not a lot of magical substitution for modern AU's in that case. But um, like we said, I think it's kind of telling that they still have such a like undeniably Merthyr dynamic even without it. So I guess there's something magical about that. So there we go. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. There oh we go. my god. Uh, not bad for four hours sleep. Um, <laughs> the next talk back that we have is from ArchD and she left us a comment on our episode review of The Nightmare Begins so the one before this one and she says in my opinion Gaius was using Merlin's room for a storage area before Merlin came plus I always thought that Gaius wanted to kind of block Merlin's comings and goings and he probably figured he could always be woken up by Merlin and his clumsiness as he tries to sneak past Gaius unfortunately Gaius sleeps like a log (laughs) Yeah, I think this was me trying to figure out why Gaius would sleep in the, like, what I would consider to be, like, the worst, like, the worst out of the two sleeping arrangements. Like, it doesn't look like a pretty comfortable bed. It looks almost like a chaise long kind of thing. <laughs> like, just where patients but Honestly, sleep. that's probably more comfortable than what Marlon has. Marlon literally has just, you know, a, like, what's it, what's it called in English? Like a pallet, but a little a bit pallet, raised yeah. off the ground, no mattress or anything. 
Like that's that's not comfortable. <laughs> not none yeah, of these people have mattresses. <laughs> because they're not I mean Arthur has a mattress and Morgana yeah, has a mattress and Uther has a mattress, but basically not many other people have mattresses because they're poor. <laughs> um but yeah, I think I just kind of was a bit like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed even strange to me that Gaius would be using like a private chamber for anything other than like his private quarters when the main bit is meant to be like a treating area like for patients like we've seen patients being treated on that thing where he sleeps so I'm just like it's so bizarre to me but I mean it's not like a hugely important thing it just kind of came to me when I saw it in the episode I was like why why does guys I don't know whatever but that is a pretty good excuse that you know maybe he was thinking oh like I can I can keep an eye on Merlin but didn't really go that way. I'm I'm um, just sure that Gaius didn't want a teenage boy sleeping out in the open where he might be doing who knows what. With who knows night. what as well. Yeah. yeah. So Um Archie carries on to say this is for the end of the episode. Merlin's smile sliding off his face near the end of the episode just tears my heart. It's so sad. And I agree, I said in my commentary that i thought it was just one of those moments that i love when merlin like as in the show merlin not the character merlin when the show merlin like reminds us in those moments of merlin being like yay happy go lucky i'm joking with arthur actually my life sucks (laughs) it's just like i you know the angst like lover in me was really happy with that but yeah it's very sad um do any of you have anything to add here come your long list of places where you can connect to us, find us, speak to us, and engage. We appreciate all of the above. So, our website is melissa.prakaproductions.com, or just type it into Google, whatever. That is where we pick comments to react to on air, just like the ones you just listened to. And that is where you need to post your comment if you uh, want us to react to it. We don't necessarily react to every single one. If we've covered a topic relentlessly in the past, we'll probably skip over it. Probably. But if you really want us to react to it, please tell us and we will absolutely do that. And then all these other channels, you can come and engage with us uh, directly and we'll respond to you on that channel, but not on the podcast. So they are as follows. On Tumblr, we are melissa.tumblr.com and you can reblog our posts, comment on them, put comments in the tags, DM us, all that kind of thing. We're at Melissa on Twitter where you can retweet our posts, you can DM us and reply to our tweets and all that good stuff. We have an email address which is melissa.podcast at gmail.com and we will respond to your email if you email us there. And we are on iTunes also at Melissa. And if you leave us a star rating and a review, that really helps us out. And then if you kind of just want to chat to us in general and a bunch of the guests that have been on and talk about the episodes and kind of a bit more of a rambly form, then we have a Discord server specifically for the podcast and just uh, find the link to it on our Tumblr or just ask Momo or me and we'll give you the link. So there we go. Fun stuff. Awesome. Are we ready to get into the episode? So we have the episode summary from the Merlin wiki, and I can already see by the first sentence that it's inaccurate again. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just a bit like, okay. So according to the Merlin wiki, this is the summary for Lancelot and Guinevere. Guinevere is mistaken for Morgana and is kidnapped by the savage outlaw Hengist. 
Uther refuses to pay the ransom or send rescue party to save a mere servant. A tormented Arthur defies his father and sets out with Merlin to rescue Guinevere himself. Meanwhile, Gwen and Lancelot have been reunited in Hengist's castle, where Lancelot makes his feelings for Gwen clear. He pledges to save her from Hengist or die trying. Unaware of Lancelot's efforts to save Gwen, Arthur has confessed his love for Gwen to Merlin. Gwen remains unaware of the depth of his feelings and is clearly conflicted between the two men. How will Arthur react when he arrives for Gwen to find that her old flame has got to her first? Dun, dun, dun. Like, Gwen is not mistaken for Morgana. <laughs> like, what is the matter with this website? They did, like you, Momo, they didn't rewatch the episode before they posted this. <laughs> I mean, I didn't rewatch the episode, but even I know that Gwen. Gwen isn't mistaken for her. The bandits very clearly force her. <laughs> uh, put her in the dress and force her to pretend to be Morgana. I mean, Hengus mistakes her for Morgana. Maybe that's where they Maybe. that's where they're coming from. Um. So yeah, um, Momo has some stats and things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go for it. Yes. This episode first aired on the tenth of October, two thousand nine. We have two female characters with lines. They are, you guessed it, Gwen and Morgana. We have, if I didn't miscount, seven male characters with lines. And they are, as per usual, Arthur, Merlin, Gaius, and Uther. But also Lancelot, Kendrick, and Hengist. And the enemy amongst of the week, well, they are Kendrick, Hengist, and the Wilderon. And the bad guys get eaten by Wilderon, which is always nice. But Merlin didn't kill anyone, and neither did, I, I mean, Arthur and Lancelot probably stabbed some people, but the, the important the important villains got eaten by Wilderon. Merlin I, helped in that, though. Yeah, yeah he did. I mean, Merlin, Merlin, has, Merlin has no scruple about killing people who wrong <laughs> him and his people. You know. My Slytherin baby. Yeah. So... Let's jump into overall thoughts before we go into the scene-by-scene scene breakdown. And um, I actually have a lot of overall thoughts <laughs> before we okay, go into the scene-by-scene. Then, scene. then I'll just, at this point, say, I don't like this episode. I've never liked this episode. And this is my only overall thought on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and now you um, guys can, you know... Have fun. That's okay. I'm sure that you'll, you know, have something to say as we, as we, as we go through. Probably so not, worry. because I really um, don't feel up for another rant. <laughs> I already had my Lancelot rant in the Gwencelot right. episode, so. Well, I mean, some... there's actually not like Lancelot is not in much of the episode. There are plenty of other things you can cover. I, on, I will be but... very quiet during this episode. So, um, it's really interesting to me because I find like. When I like, whenever I feel like I don't think I can get anything more out of a Merlin episode, I then sit down to watch it for Melissa, and I have a completely different perspective on things yet again. I don't know how it happens. It is kind of just the magic of this podcast and the way I seem to watch these episodes. But something I realized that I've never noticed before in this episode is that this is kind of one of the most Gwen-centric episodes that we've ever gotten on Merlin really like at least in the first two seasons maybe even beyond like she is in so many scenes and even though there is all this love interest stuff happening like angel really has so much to do 
in this episode that she just doesn't get to do most of the time. She's got a really, really dramatic storyline that's all about her and, you know, her rescue and stuff. And it wasn't until I rewatched it for this podcast that I realized this is kind of her moment to shine because there's this there's constantly these moments where like especially Hengist is like tormenting her and being like you're worthless clearly you're worthless because Uther's not sending anyone to help you and Kendrick was you know screaming she's worthless she's a servant how could you bring her to me when I have no use for her and all this time all you actually see is how worthwhile she really is because not only is Morgana fighting for her Merlin is fighting for her Arthur is fighting for her Lancelot is fighting for her and it's just this kind of weird duality of her feeling probably very worthless in this episode and yet all these people trying to save her and it's a really nice kind of balance that I never really saw before and she really gets in my opinion to shine I I'm always impressed with her performance in this episode I think she really kills it especially playing that line of I'm terrified right now but I just cannot afford to break character because my life is on the line it's yeah really when she uh when she confronts Hengist yeah. as a noble lady would do yeah, exactly yeah which i like because um, um i haven't seen this episode since well like since i first seen it way back in 2010 <laughs> um so i've seen like queen guinevere so coming back to this i'm like mm, i see it she's just she she knows how to put on that power to go into power mode when she needs yeah. to but this like, is definitely an act like yeah, 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 and like this is, you know, this really isn't. I mean, it does come semi naturally to her, but this really isn't Queen Gwen as we know her in season five. This is definitely her copycatting of what she would, you know. She's basically uh, saying, "What would Morgana do?" Yeah, what she would, would be like obstinate and yeah, put her foot exactly. down and. Um, and in a really funny way, this is almost a flip of what happened in To Kill the King, in my opinion, where uh, in To Kill the King, we expected to get this uh, Gwen-centric episode and Morgana ended up hijacking it for her plot. <laughs> and in this episode, it all it's all about Morgana in the first uh, five or ten minutes, uh, if not a bit longer. And then uh, it completely, well, I mean, you know, it was always going to be a Gwen plot because of the title. But, you know, if you took the title out of it, you'd be probably f- forgiven for m- mistaking it for a Morgana story at first. And actually, it kind of subverts your expectations by making it all about Gwen, which I think is really, really awesome. And again, it's kind of that, like, shift that happened in To Kill the King where we were praying for something to do with Gwen and then Morgana came and had to take everything so um which episode was to kill a king that was uh, season two 112 112 yeah okay okay because I just realized at the beginning it's like oh she's off to do a pilgrimage to her father's grave and I'm like dude wasn't she just there like last episode (laughs) um but all right I'll be forgiven to say there's a year (laughs) yeah kind of yeah like if you I mean with who knows how how long it is between, yeah. between season one and two. We've already kind of tried yeah, to work no it out and failed. Um, what I also find really interesting, like, well, uh, in like the overall thoughts section is Merlin's role in this episode, because essentially what I've noticed is you could pretty much remove him from this episode and not much would change apart from obviously Arthur wouldn't have anyone to like bounce off of, but Merlin is c- almost completely redundant apart from like a couple of magic tricks. It Like he really doesn't, like he doesn't have anything he is a side character in this 
in this narrative, in this story. And here's an Arthur scenes. For, very rarely does this happen to them, but they really are the comedic sidekicks because you've got this incredibly dramatic storyline happening in Hengist Castle that's really scary, and you've got these man-eating beasts and this mm-hmm. uh, and and the romance and the and the scary stuff, and then you've got these two guys trying to you know kind of basically just go on this quest, and every scene that they're in is laced with like a, like a touch of humor. And that, like, at first that kind of bugged me, but actually I kind of, A, it's so nice for them to actually have comedic purpose in the narrative that actually feels natural and not just kind of forced. Uh, usually they are kind of front and center and this this isn't necessarily the case this time. But also um, I just think that seeing Colin actually get to play just kind of something that isn't so heavily dramatic is really, really nice. And like, he does have moments where he's like being a bit cheeky and a bit smiley. There are scenes by the way, and I'll get to them when we get to the breakdown where I think they could have been cut and we could have had more time with other stuff, but it's just a bit of a nice change to see them be like the supporting characters or at least Merlin be the supporting character rather than like the main course. I don't know if you guys noticed that as well. I, I definitely noticed something like that because I was, I mean, I love that scene where, where Merlin is riding and he's asleep at the wheel and he falls <laughs> off his horse. And, I don't and, know how and, and Arthur comes up and, well, he dumps up, you know, he dumps the water. All right, let's keep going. And that scene, I'm like, that was, that was, I have to go back and count up. That was literally 29 seconds. What did that, and it did nothing. Yeah, exactly. Except and there to are show that they're going. Yeah, there were other ones like that, but it was, yeah. And I was like, um, what is he doing? But then I was like, no, but I do love that scene. Was like, oh. But I also like, why? Why? So. And Merlin is very scarfless in this episode, which I'm the very The whole episode, afraid. I'm like, put your scarf on, boy. Don't put your scarf on. Oh, no, don't put your scarf on. Let us look at those collarbones. Yes. You can't tell this is Jello. I can't focus. <laughs> I have my fan out. Um, so, well, this will call you down. Arwen. So, um, <laughs> let's let's just right because I actually uh, was quite looking forward to talking about this because I am very impressed with this episode for a bunch of different reasons. But I kind of really tried to watch it very intently, and I never noticed again. I I'm just I can't believe I never noticed this before. But Arthur and Gwen don't say a word to each other this entire episode, not one. And yet they still feel like they are actually communicating somehow. And I think this is actually the best, one of the best episodes that Bradley and Angel have ever done, in my opinion, in terms of their performances with the Arthur and Gwen relationship. Because I I find that this is one of the most subtle, I mean... I know that we get Arthur's big uh, speech and stuff and like, we'll get to that. But I think in terms of their relationship, it's one of the most subtle episodes that we have, because what we have is an Arthur who is calm, precise, goal oriented, but not 
manic and crazy like for example he is in queen of hearts you know he's very secretive about his plan to go rescue Gwen. he doesn't come out and tell merlin everything and oh woe is me he's very quick to deflect and he's very quick to just kind of cut the conversation short when he realizes okay we just need to move on now even after he's admitted his feelings and again he and gwen don't even have any dialogue in this episode but i still feel i mean i'm not entirely sure what the conversation is and i think this is one of those things where you can definitely read into it depending on your perspective on their performances what their conversations are but they have those moments where you are like i feel like something's happening but i don't know what even though they don't talk to each other and it's so many stolen glances yeah it's really good um and again i'm I'm so impressed with Arthur in this episode, just how unlike season three Arthur he is, how unlike that kind of childish, bratty, kind of like, daddy, I love him, kind of like, like attitude. He's perfect Ariel. Well done. (laughs) I love her. She's just like my queen. Um, So I just, I feel like he really embodies what I kind of hoped Arthur would become later on I mean I guess you could argue you know maybe the feelings grew but I really am impressed with the way that he is here I really really like it um however I think that this episode for me it's almost like I see it in this like perfect like enclosed storyline where like I said I think the acting is subtle I think the storytelling is really really good with Gwen and her feelings of being torn and she's got this romance but she's also got this other romance and everything that's going on in that and yet unfortunately this episode kind of ruins everything (laughs) because not only am I kind of like right you did this so well and then you ruined it I know that like that you're capable of doing it well and then you ruined it but also it's like we've said this on the Arwen podcast that this episode essentially sets up and you know whatever people's shipping preferences I don't really think that you can argue with the actual narrative direction of this if Lancelot hadn't left she probably would have chosen him now we don't know how long that relationship would have lasted but that's essentially set up for us and you know the people that wrote the episode and the people that were in the episode have all said this to be true so when you're writing like when you're watching it as a season two viewer with no idea of what's coming and I was one of these viewers you you expect Lancelot and Gwen to be an end game ship because not only are they in the legends but you're setting like this episode has essentially set this up for us and unfortunately what happens is that this episode falls into the camp that I put Poison Chalice into which is that people seem to forget that this episode ever happened because every single you know like we have so many lines that come up especially in season one where I'm like did you watch the Poison Chalice because this was answered there but no one seemed to remember and then we get to later episodes of season two with huge advancements in the Arwen relationship and everyone seems to have forgotten about Lancelot showing up and basically Gwen making it very clear her feelings about what she would have done had he stayed and I'm just like how could you fuck it up so badly (laughs) why I mean what do you guys think about this and essentially that they kind of made Arthur out to be her second choice and is there anything wrong with that I guess I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think that's actually very interesting to think about that Arthur is her is her second choice and 
that if she had had the chance, she would have stuck with Lancelot. Like I'm, I'm, I personally think that neither relationship was well developed on the show, but um, I definitely agree that with the way things were handled, it certainly looks like Arthur was her second choice, not her first choice. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like people move on from previous loves. People mm -hmm. pick someone who is, you know, a sensible choice, a safer choice. Although you could probably argue whether Arthur <laughs> is a safer yeah. choice for Gwen, but Death. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean with with all the problems they had in a relationship before they got to be together. You know, it, it was a hard couple of years before they actually got to be together out in the open you know but yeah i think i think that's very interesting and i think all the arwen fans are going to go up in arms for, <laughs> for us suggesting that but it's yeah it's the truth it's the truth this is jello the other thing that i think is interesting is that this is them subverting the more traditional dare i use the word legend yeah. where lancelot is the second love mm -hmm. and in this he's the first so is is he is though this... in the in the legends like wasn't there a marriage in the legends more a marriage of convenience and less Arthur of love? Is in love with guinevere but i don't remember guinevere ever being mm -hmm. in love with yeah yeah, I would say that in, in the Legends, Lancelot also is her first choice, just that she had to marry Arthur first to meet him. <laughs> well, but that's, that's where it gets a little vague. It depends on the retelling that you read, but like, uh, um, fair Walks was saying in the other Lancelot episode with, um, the, uh, oh, the books written from the female perspective. Ah, the Mists of Avalon. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't recall that up. Um, <laughs> That was, I'm not sure, I don't, it's been years since I've read those, but, you know, th that whole when she falls in love with Lancelot thing kind of varies a little bit. But it was interesting to see it um, done so explicitly in this one that this is be well before they get married, back when she's still a servant. Um, because a lot of times Lancelot doesn't show up until after she's married to Arthur, whether she yeah. loves him or not. Because marriages very frequently back then had nothing to do with love, right? It yeah. was you married who they told you to to advance the position of your family. That was the point. <laughs> Mary for love? Preposterous. <laughs> oh, God. I guess then, okay, so perhaps it's not necessary that there's maybe an issue with Arthur being her second choice, but what there is an issue with, I think, is that there is just no follow-up from this. This, yes. this just exists. It exists. I, I mean, again, I genuinely love this episode and I think it's really well paced. I think it's really well written. And and I think that it does actually the Arwen relationship a lot of favors in one way. But the follow up from this is just so piss poor because you then have uh, at five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten is the next time we have an Arwen centric storyline in which actually this episode hinges on their kind of coming to terms with feelings for one another because you have the true love's kiss thing, which, again, I've said it once, I've said it before, it should have been flipped. I think it should have been Gwen. Like, Arthur's spell will break when the person who loves him kisses him. Like, we know that Arthur loves Gwen at this point. 
But there is nothing in between those episodes where Lancelot is even mentioned. I mean, this is a huge deal. Like, Arthur and Gwen have that huge, like, that stare at the end of the episode, and then it's kind of this ominous feeling of, okay, what's going to happen now? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen now. Nothing. And it's just, it's just really poor. And I, and I just, I don't know why they felt the need. I mean, do they have to pay Santiago if they mention Lancelot's name? Is that what's happening here? Because if that's the case, okay, I get it. But surely you can, surely you can write him into the show without having him present. Surely. It just doesn't make sense to me. But Well, and then too, when he comes back, uh, when we see him again, either in this season or further seasons, but when they meet up again um, and they're on the run and they're, trying to, you know, hiding in the caves and this, that, and the other thing, um, you really don't get to cap up because it's been so long, because everybody's forgotten about it. They don't, there's all that emotional stuff that they could use in the episode between the three of them, between Lancelot and Guinevere and Arthur, that never happens. Yeah, exactly. They just don't, they don't get to use it because they've left it for so long that all that stuff that they set up really well in this episode they they just never get to use, which is frustrating because it was like, oh, that would have been really interesting. Exactly. To see and the this, jealousy play out, you know. Right. And this is why when I found out that Lancelot was coming back for season four, I was extremely excited. I mean, yeah, I do ship Lancelot and Gwen and I did think that they might be endgame. But this is one of those situations where you're just like, they had this episode, yeah, almost like this basis for, oh, so when the betrayal happens, this is where it began, this this uh this right. tension yeah. because in Lancelot there is no Arwen so this isn't a problem for them at this point and this is where it starts but actually it's just like I said this contained plot that has no impact on the show at all I don't think Lancelot is even in Arthur's field of consciousness when it comes to Gwen like at all the only time that he finds that he's jealous of him jealous of him quote-unquote is when they, he sees them kissing. He's not even considering the fact that this could happen, <laughs> even though he knows what happened in Lots and Guinevere. So it just completely dropped ball. I'm 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 just very upset about this. But I mean, uh, if every I mean, does anyone have any overall thoughts, or can we go into the scene by scene so we can actually break this down a bit more? I think we scene by scene. Awesome. So the first one that we have is the one with the pilgrimage. And this is just the beginning scene. Everyone's heading out for the pilgrimage. And what I wanted to touch upon was this look, this look that passes between Arthur and Gwen. And the reason why I wanted to touch upon it was because uh, we have had an episode in between this and the Once and Future Queen. And that was The Nightmare Begins, where Arthur and Gwen were completely fine with each other, were completely fine being in the same room with one another and making eye contact without it being angsty. And so I'm just a bit like, this is what I'm saying. The way the, the writers are writing Arwen, they kind of just... They stop and start it based on their whims. So sometimes they're completely fine with one another. Sometimes they can't stand to be in the same room together because it's just too painful. And yeah, they share this weird, like longing look from across the courtyard. And then when she's riding away that I, I just don't really know what it, what they're doing with that. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think their goal was, was, oh, um, Arthur has to have a reason to go after Gwen and risk his life. That's something more than Morgana wants her maid back. And she's kind of nice and it's the noble thing to do. Right. Because they want to set up the, the, the pining. Right. Yeah. 
And so, oh, shoot, hey, look at that. We haven't developed this at all. Well, let's just suggest it with him staring at her like a kicked puppy. Oh, my so. God, that pout, his bottom lip, he's going to trip over it. He's <laughs> like, he's got a cup on it. <laughs> oh, God. It is it is absolutely brilliant. Um, And the next one we have is the one with the attack. Um, And, I mean, this is kind of, again, it's, I mean, we kind of get all the bad writing out, like, in the first bit of this episode, because you've got Morgana, you know, saying, oh, you're very secretive, or you're very quiet. Oh, it must be a man. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> <laughs> and like Gwen's little like oh when do I ever get a chance to meet any decent men I'm like alright I'm sorry like Merlin's decent who are you <laughs> like stop being so I don't know like I just always felt like that line was I don't know who uh, I can't remember who directed this episode but I'm like did you have to direct it to sound so like high and mighty I don't know if it was trying to prepare us for her like trying to act a bit more like Morgana but I'm like come on <laughs> She wouldn't actually say that. Like, Gwen wouldn't actually say, oh, when do I have the chance to meet any decent men? Yeah. She's just not, she, she's not about that life. Like, she's just much more interested in other things. Um, um, and, yeah, so we have the lone guy fighting off all of the people. What I will say is that rewatching it and looking closely, this isn't very well choreographed because everyone starts attacking and Morgana and Gwen just sit there. They don't decide to just jump off their horses and run their fuck away. Like, they just kind of sit there waiting for instructions. And I'm like, why? Or even <laughs> kick your horse into gear and ride out. You, can, you don't have to wait. Like Exactly. Like, And on. they just wait until they grabbed off the horse. And then Morgana's like, head for the path. Ooh, clever. <laughs> and you really think Morgana wouldn't pick up a sword at the first opportunity and that's, cut some dude? That's like, a thing, though. Cut some dude. The writers are so inconsistent with the characterization of Morgana. Like, she'll be fierce and fighty in one episode, and in the next one, she'll be the classic damsel in distress just because it suits the writers, and it's just fucking inconsistent. Like, her entire characterization through the entire show. It's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair, you know, and we'll get to it in a minute, but she does end up doing just that. And we could maybe say that it's just like shock and surprise. Like, okay, that's fair. But I just like to, to just stay on your horse and not even attempt to ride away. Like you said, guys, I'm just a bit like, really? No, like, don't, don't wait to be kidnapped. please. It's almost like it was relevant for the plot. Hmm. Um... <laughs> So the credit uh, roll, we get the title sequence, and that means uh, that someone has died because someone always dies when the when the credits roll. Uh, it's probably the <laughs> one guy fighting off all of the uh, all of the all of the bandits. We love him. He's uh, repping the good the good word of Camelot tonight. And then we have the one with the ruse, which is um, essentially just uh, Morgana and Gwen being held captive. And what I really appreciate here, and I love it when the show does this or just when films and movies do this in general, is that we didn't get a scene in which Morgana explains her plan to Gwen. We just get a line where she says, you know what you must do. And we get to see what the plan is rather than actually having to listen to her explain it and then see the plan as well. And um, I really like that. I think it's really, really cool. Um, I think that it's quite nice as well that Morgana in this entire sequence, because she's putting up a very brave face of, Oh, I'm the King's ward. And of course that does come naturally to her. But when she's standing by the river, getting undressed in front of this pig, essentially, she actually does look quite scared. And like when 
he says, oh, the Lady Morgana wishes to bathe. Who wants to help me guard her? You know, she has this look on her face where she looks a bit frightened. And I, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm quite impressed with Katie's acting in this moment because there is that subtlety there where you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, she would be scared, even though she kind of maybe expected this. I really like that. Yeah, I thought I, I like that, too. Just putting on a brave face. It's a plan. It's, a, you know, it's an essentially stupid thing to do. I'm going mm-hmm. to bathe in front of all of these ruffians who probably would love to rape and kill me. So I'm going to take all my clothes off in a river. What? But what it does, of course, is it means she's not running in the dress in the cloak anymore. She's mm-hmm. just in her shift. Yeah. I mean, what? I And she can fight because her arms yeah, are free. That's true. But I do think that if this show wasn't Merlin, then she probably would have already been. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh afraid. yeah, no they. Yeah. They, oh yeah, no. Just because they have to send her back alive doesn't mean they need to send her back in one piece. So when she, so the one where she's actually kind of getting undressed, I've called the one with the public bath. And uh, yeah, so really amazing sword fighting from Katie, and she has the little like you know twist that she did, like the little flip with the sword, which I appreciate. Um, the only uh, thing I was gonna say about that is um the one thing I kind of irks me about the show, and they do it a lot in this episode, is whenever they do any sort, like, she tosses a sword. And it's like, whoosh. I'm like, what's that sound? Swords don't make sounds as you throw them through the air like that. <laughs> it's like, there's so much unnecessary foley on these swords. It's I, I, yeah, that's true. I, I do think they're quite cool. <laughs> yeah, I do kind. Of, I don't know. It may, like it makes me want to like sword fight, and I guess that's what it's meant to make you do. I don't know, um, but. I mean, what I will say about this in particular and what you guys mentioned about the dress and how she's then free to run, it made me realize, hang on, why doesn't she have travel clothes? Like, Queen Gwen had that, like, burgundy dress that she wears when she's out on, like, horse riding. There's no way that Morgana would horse ride in in, in what she's wearing there. And I never realized it before until right now. And, yeah, like, she's just basically then down to, like, her underwear. But I'm like... Why doesn't she? Why? Why doesn't she have a different writing outfit? Like, what is the? Why didn't the costume department just give us something different? But then I guess it would have like maybe messed with the whole illusion of then Gwen wearing the dress. But now that I you don't. mentioned that, now I got oh, I should go back and check that scene. Were they riding side saddle? <gasps> I don't think so. I was thinking well, that. I don't know. I had the same thought, but then the other thing I thought of is that um, the costume department probably didn't have time. Mm. Uh, costume departments famously do not have time or budget and yet they have to make look everybody look good in no time with no money uh, okay that's <laughs> fair that is entirely fair they they run off and they somehow manage to outrun a man that is not wearing a dress and um <laughs> there you go um now this is like a classic movie thing that i hear gwen trips and uh, hurts, her leg, hurts her leg so badly that she cannot run for her life but she doesn't seem to have a problem running when Lancelot tells her to run and it's only like a day later <laughs> but oh, I had the so, same thought <laughs> like, clearly the power of Santiago is stronger than the power of Katie which you know mm. I wouldn't be surprised because Santiago is a very attractive man but I'm just like <sighs> classic movie just like oh no my ankle my ankle <laughs> for fuck's sake but um, Gwen is ruthless with that sword. She just slices that guy's shins to pieces. I'm like, Gwen, you, you just killed the dude. Do you think? No, I, like, I oh, thought God. she just swung for his legs. Like, he oh. just ha- like, no? 
Because she's like crouching. crouching and she just like swings around. And I mean, unless he's very, very tiny, but <laughs> um... the scream afterwards makes you think maybe it was a nut shot. Um, what I what I really love about this moment, though, uh, and I think it's better probably to bring it up now than than uh, than later. But someone did a side by side comparison on Tumblr once, and I I will never find it. I will try, but I probably never will. Um, that I never noticed before, and it was Gwen having to stay behind and making Morgana run, you know, for help or run away, and then Morgana, uh, sorry, and then Gwen slicing that dude and. Morgana hearing the scream and her stopping and turning like in panic and then running further. And then later on, Gwen running away, Lancelot staying behind, and then her hearing someone yeah. getting sliced and yeah. stopping and then carrying on to run. And I'm like, oh. Well done, well done. <laughs> yeah, this this episode's actually pretty good about um, callbacks, I've noticed. There, like I said, I think it's this episode actually has really tight writing. Like, it's everything like apart from a couple of scenes honestly to me nothing really feels redundant even the moments where hengist is taunting gwen it just serves her isolation you know like it's not just there for no reason and also you know james cosmo is fucking terrifying as his character so (laughs) um and yeah and just i was gonna mention too um there is a fic out there where um they made it so that gwen did she pretended to injure herself so that she could sacrifice herself? She was like making like this. Oh, I'm gonna save Morgana by pretending to twist, twist my ankle and stay behind. <sighs> that way, that's why she's not injured actually on her ankle and still running fine with Lancelot. I don't know. There's someone out there. <laughs> um. So, uh, the one where Morgana shows up, uh, like, we have, like, a scene in between where kind of, like, Arthur is like, oh, Morgana's party's not returned, and then, like, they go out and look for her, and then Morgana shows up in the woods having run God knows how long, and she's essentially in her underwear, and Arthur says, where's Guinevere? And this line has caused a lot of controversy in the fandom for quite a lot of years and (laughs) i can see both sides of the argument on the one hand if it were me i don't know if my first reaction would be where it's going to be my first reaction would be someone who i consider to be my sister wink wink nudge nudge yeah uh is standing in front of me in her underwear looking absolutely petrified twigs in her hair god knows possibly (laughs) raped possibly uh, hurt and instead of even taking a breath to go up and comfort her or ask her how she is or what's happened to her his first instinct is to ask where's Guinevere. On the other hand people have said what Arthur sees in front of him is one person that is alive and whole and another person that's missing and that's what he like thinks in his head Um, which fine but he doesn't seem to care for the knights that are clearly no no longer with them either <laughs> so yeah i'm just a bit like i mean what do you guys think about this line i think it's a bit tasteless to be honest with you but i forgot completely about it and then as it came up and he's was like, oh there's morgana and immediately he's like where's gwen i'm like huh? what about dude not... can you just say hey hi you're looking i don't know about okay. tasteless maybe but Tactless, definitely. Tactless. That's yeah. the yeah. one. I'm like, help her. She's she's trembling. Come on. 
Yeah. He looks terrified. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Arthur. Uh, did, I her, did I miss her getting hit in the face? Because she has all these facial wounds now, and I'm like, <laughs> where did all these hits come from? Uh, the plot? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She needs plot. to look traumatized somehow. <laughs> Maybe the twigs did it. I don't know. And those I do should... not look like twigs. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, okay. Um. So the next one is a scene I really like. Actually, it's uh, the one where Morgana makes a scene, <laughs> and the reason why I love it is Uther, because. Everyone knows how much I love Uther, and I think that the way Anthony plays this is hilarious. She comes in, and obviously he's really, really concerned, and she starts off like, oh, the bandits have Gwen, we have to send a rescue party, and like Uther is just saying all the wrong things. He's like, uh, yes, she, uh, oh, oh, she's like, oh, we must send a rescue party. She's like, uh, she likes uh, stayed behind so that I could escape, and, he, and instead of saying, oh, what a terrible thing, he goes, she'll be honored for it. She'll be honored. that's the wrong thing to say to Morgana and then later on he's like I fear she's dead already (laughs) Uther it's it's definitely the wrong thing to say to Morgana but I'm sitting there going like "Mm -hmm. no he's right Uther Uther, you you got it you do not send a whole small army to go save a servant no he is is completely (laughs) in the right here but just the way that he goes about saying it to her as if he doesn't know her at all and like how she's sort of like you know Gwen is more than just my friend. We have to go save it. And like while she's talking, Anthony's doing these facial expressions where he's like, like he's not saying anything, but his eyes are going, "Okay, honey. Okay. Yes, absolutely." Mm. And it's just so funny. I love it so much how he's just yes, Veruca dear. <laughs> yeah, of course we'll go get the servant. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> she's upstate at a farm. <laughs> With all the other bunny rabbits. <laughs> um, the um, She's more than just my maid. I'm like, ah, oh, the line that launched a thousand ships. Yeah. Uh, and then they never went anywhere with it. And it's like, where did that go in series four and five? I'll shut up now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, we, we, we covered it on our Gwen and Morgana episode. I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys have listened. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, I genuinely forget that they were close by the time we get to season four. And uh, yeah. <laughs> even though hug at the end of this episode, I'm like, that's 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 wonderful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's lovely. Well, I love it. But mm. the thing I love, one of the things I love about this scene is a how desperate Morgana is, right? And clearly desperate, trying to convince everyone you're being really unreasonable for not believing me on this. And she kind of goes straight up to Arthur. Arthur. And him very carefully not meeting either her eyes or Uther's eyes. And I thought this was real spot on acting by Bradley. The the whole, <laughs> I'm going to say what my father wants me to say, but just shut, just shut it. Just stop yep. talking. <laughs> don't, 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 don't make me say it. Come on. <laughs> and I like just Morgana's like, I mean, I'm surprised, honestly, that she thought this would work because she should know better than this by now. And like, but she makes this massive scene. But just her going, how can you say that? It's just, oh yeah, I, she like, rocked I, that line. I'm like, damn yeah. girl. I used damn. to watch Merlin with my uh, with my brother when he was like a, like uh, a quite a bit younger, and like he always laughed at that line. Just like, how can you say that? It's just like, just so angry. Like she's oh, so yeah. aggro. Calm down. At but, the end of yeah. that shot, there or the end of the scene, there's a 
uh, a side profile of Arthur. Of all things. And I'm just like, saying, I'm just saying, Bradley, I'm missing those. I'm just, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just saying. I just missed that Arthur knows. Yeah. Bless him. Um, yeah, so, uh, like, Morgana gets dragged away by someone. I've, I can't, I can't remember who. It's Gaius. Oh, Gaius. Gaius. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's always, he's always the one that has to deal with yeah, this. She totally she... can't fight him off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, like, remembering Arthur's line in um, Queen of Hearts. He's a doddery old man. <laughs> Can she not fight him off? Um, so, um... The one with uh, Be My Guest, which is when Gwen <laughs> arrives. Uh... Oh, no, not the, sorry. Not the Beauty and the Beast one. version, sorry, is it? Sorry, sorry. I've missed one. I've missed one. Okay. I have actually skipped a scene. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, We've skipped the scene in which the the bandits actually capture Gwen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and they just scream at her face that she's worthless to them and like that she's meant to put these clothes on and um i uh i just wanted to say that i think that angel plays that kind of like fear beautifully i think she really really does a wonderful job in that scene and then gets taken to hengist's uh castle getting to the castle i was gonna say when she's wearing that red red cloak like gwen y'all look badass in that red cloak that looks really nice gwen trying to power it Morgana's kind of speech pattern and all this kind of stuff and you know I'm not your guest I'm your prisoner it's it's really really great and what I actually love about this episode and we and we see this starting here is um all of Kendrick's background moments do you guys notice how he's constantly looking at Gwen and he's scared that she's going to give the game away because that means he's going to die and this well, at this point, it means it won't get my money. He just wants his money. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, look, I'm... At the end, it's like, yeah, I'm going to die. But... The one thing I don't really get is why Kendrick... I mean, I don't know if Kendrick lives with Hengist or if he's just, like, some kind of bounty hunter. But, like, why Why did he stick around after he delivered Gwen? I was wondering. I thought he was, like, a wandering bounty hunter. Dude. I mean, I just kind of assumed that he worked for Hengist because... I don't know. He Must be. He was like right there. It was like easy to catch. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, another. Ex- I, I've been spending all that money like right away. <laughs> it, I mean, it could also be the same explanation as to why Loki shows up in that like per, uh, in in Jeff Goldblum's palace in Thor Ragnarok, which by the way has no heterosexual explanation. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's a similar arrangement that they've got Kendrick <laughs> and Angus, which is now a ship that no one asked for, but there it is. <laughs> so. Uh, we have the one with Armor Watch. They're back because, of course, they're back. Uh, this is, I think, actually one of the last like proper dialogue kind of scenes that they have until like the Witch's Quickening or something like that. And uh, Morgana just barrels in and is just all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Arthur yep. is just silently <laughs> doing his thing, and I absolutely love them in this scene this is kind of what i live for with like my armor content and um yeah i kind of like it in my notes i've put the fact that arthur is so calm here makes me wonder what happened to him in season three (laughs) (laughs) again i just want this calm arthur back just this like precision like soldier like way that he goes about it and too many hits to the head that's what happens yeah (laughs) that's your fault (laughs) Um, and, uh, so, you know, we have a scene with Merlin and Gaius where Merlin explains he's coming 
I don't know why he would come on this trip. Because He's manservant. Plot. I don't know. Yeah, because plot. Because plot. plot. Yeah, because the plot I do love it. I do love guys that like, you come back safely too. Oh, well, guys, dad, so yes. nice. Also, I recently watched a um, YouTube video about um, medieval lighting, like, you know, candles and, and torches and stuff and their historical accuracy. And so I was watching that previous scene in Arthur's Chambers. And I'm like, oh, hey, they're using candles. That's that's accurate. And well done show. And then it cuts to a guy's chamber where there's sconces on the wall. And I'm like, okay, that's no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, But the next scene that we actually have is uh, the one with the barrels. And this scene should I call have this been one. Cut. I call this one the one with the worst guards in Camelot. Oh, God. The French extras who were clearly ADR'd with the whoa. <laughs> yeah, they saw, that was a weird whoa. Like, <laughs> that was like some some um, 2001 Space Odyssey cavemen like, whoa. Okay, 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 okay. okay. So this okay, scene, tell me. I have a note about the music. Oh, yes. Rocks. Yes. Guess which music it is. I know. It's amazing. Guess which episode that was first played in, though. Oh, I don't know. I have not done my... Uh... Lancelot. It's when he's copying the seal for Lancelot. Oh. So the fact that it shows up as the caper music, which, by the way, for those of you listening who don't know, it's the forged seal, which first showed up when Merlin is copying the, the birthright thing, the nobility papers for Lancelot in uh episode called Lancelot. Um I just think it's hilarious that it's the caper music for these two married men um, in this episode. It's so, ah, I just love it. I mean, look, I actually do kind of smile at this scene. I smile at this scene for for several reasons. Number one, um, because apparently, even though obviously Arthur is not technically the king, he is still the second most important person in Camelot, but he still has to sneak past his own guards rather than just say, I'm the fucking prince. I'm going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Why? Secondly, that's a nice blue tint you've got there, BBC. Thank that's you a for lovely the... day for night. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, yes, by... <laughs> by lovely, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the French extras are another reason why I chuckled. But the re- real reason why I actually kind of like this scene is Colin's like smile when the when the guards jump back and he's like, I'm so funny. <laughs> I love <laughs> These it. guards act like, like a cat I used to have where they're creeping up like on the object. Ooh. And then it moves like, Oh, what? <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, you guys. Oh, the worst <laughs> I do like, like, you know, there's just no pleasing you sometimes. Oh, that I do love that whole little <sighs> bit. <laughs> <It's snark. laughs> I mean, if, if they could have kept that line, but just put it in a scene that wasn't so redundant, I would be fine with it. But this scene, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, there are moments of humor where they, where it, where it's really warranted, like in a scene that adds to the, to the episode. But this scene, like, you didn't need them creeping out. You could have just cut to, and like, you could have used that time to either, I don't know, explain what Lancelot's been doing for the past year, or like have us cut back to Morgana now and then to see how she's coping with the situation. But no, we just well. I think they wanted to get more Merlin in, and this is the excuse for his excuse. This is raison d'être, right? Right. So he's got to use his magic to get them out, because otherwise Arthur wouldn't be able to do what he wants to do, because only Merlin can do it for him. Yeah. I, mean, I mentioned before that this episode is really good with the callbacks, and this is actually one of the ones I was mentioning because there's a line at the beginning where Arthur says, "I'll get the horses, you distract the guards." 
And then later on when they're in the castle, like, remember, he says, okay, you distract the guard. Like, again, like, you distract the guard. It's, it's a constant, yeah, like, it's I'll brilliant. knock them out, yeah, yeah. you distract the guards. And okay, that was just, you distract me. So I was just a little, 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 little oh, okay, I thought they'd call back. Love it. Yeah, there's a scene, I, I will not remember now which one it's from, um, I think it's in like season four or season five, maybe, where they're trying to sneak in somewhere. And Merlin says to Arthur, you distract the guards, yeah. something, something. And he's like, what do you mean? And then Merlin pushes him the way yeah. Arthur yeah. pushed him. Yes. He's like, okay, fair enough. We, we actually do remember that last one when it happened because Merlin's like, ha, 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 see, <laughs> I've been waiting for this for years. <laughs> I've been waiting three seasons. Yeah, <laughs> to do I this. Know. I don't think it was three, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so... They escape and it's all good. And then we cut to the one with the banquet. And this is where kind of the plot kicks in for the real reason why this episode is happening, which is mm-hmm. the reason Lancelot. And yeah, like I said, Kendrick keeps having these like kind of shots th- uh, thrown his way where he's looking at like, so when Hengist is like, all right, like we see Kendrick fearing because maybe Hengist has figured it out and he's going to like kill them all. <laughs> so yeah. he's just kind of looking over at, uh, at Gwen um, or maybe he just can't bear to not look at Hengis for one moment because that's now apparently a new ship. Um, <laughs> so, um, so let's just kind of break down how this happens because it's kind of like everything to me. So Hengist, you know, brings out the first challenger because he wants Lady Morgana to be entertained. And then we get the second challenger coming out. And the way that this is uh, shot is we have... Lancelot coming out and I mean unless you've not seen the primaries or you don't know what's about to happen maybe you wouldn't recognize him at first because of short hair but he's on screen long enough for you to recognize him then we have a shot of Gwen turning to see him and then we have the slow motion shot of the camera just kind of panning like he's in like like the bars are passing across the screen and he's inside the cage and then we have a shot of her face and her jaw just like slowly falling open as she like looks and sees who it is and then a shot of him recognizing her and then looking away because he doesn't want her to look at him ah oh, i'm just so and i'm pretty sure i'm sure in the background you dream weaver yeah i believe you can. yeah i was like yeah, it was, yeah. Angels sang and lights came down and, and it's just, it was beautiful. I, and just the fact that they slowed it down, the fact that they just slowed it down it, yeah. and it's not even full slow motion, but it's just a slightly different frame rate. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just perfect. And that like look that she has on her face where she cannot believe who it is. And yeah, and he looks so different to when we saw him last and probably, I mean, I quite like Lancelot in other seasons, but I think this is my favorite Lancelot, is Ruffian Lancelot. <laughs> I think he he's a handsome devil that just comes out of nowhere and, like, steals the show. And I actually am really curious as to whether he would have killed that Ruffian if Gwen hadn't been in the audience. Ooh. I don't know. Ooh. Like, I did like he stop Gwen or did he stop? Because, I mean, I assume this isn't the first time he's fought for Hengist surely it can't have been the first time so if he has been keeping himself alive let's not break into a queen song now but if he's been (laughs) keeping himself alive um he must have been killing the people in the uh, in the rink so maybe he just did it for Gwen's sake I don't know he also has that scar on his uh 
cheek too to prove like ah oh, he's he's seen some shit <laughs> yeah like he did they did a george lucas that just put a scar on our on our hero he'd be like, i don't know he yeah. did it while tripping in the bathtub wasn't he? i don't know but then, but then you'd never see it again because it oh, doesn't it's appear that they forgot to put the scar back on him when he appears later in the uh yeah but he's got internal scars that will never heal oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh well my ah, god. Awesome. Is that Momo? <laughs> <laughs> Is that Momo? Yes. yes Momo. Oh, come on. Ugh. You're really gonna, you know, fault me for that one. It's not that bad. No, I mean, it's probably true. <laughs> it's just Lancelot is such an emo boy already, and you're just making him into more of one. I just. I have a lot. I can't think of any iteration of Lancelot that isn't an emo boy. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, and so then Lancelot comes out of the cave and Hengist does his spiel here. We pay, blah, blah. And then he says, let me introduce to you uh, our guest, Lady Morgana. And the unspoken dialogue between them in this moment where Lancelot obviously knows that's not Morgana and kind of catch maybe doesn't catch on entirely to what's going on because he later on asks her but he just kind of plays along doesn't Mm -hmm. doesn't let on for a second that he thinks something's up and then just that look they give each other with their eyes and then Lancelot bowing and saying my lady I have been fucked up by this scene (laughs) it's just I cannot with the fact it like i was fine until he bowed and said my lady and then i was just like okay like i can die happily now because the double meaning is just mm, yep <laughs> i'm so happy layers it's gonna like revive me <laughs> oh the double meanings yeah just absolute perfect and i don't i mean i don't know if they kind of like, I would love to know the genesis of this kind of idea that he was going to bow and say, my lady, if, like, they'd written the episode and then someone was like, oh, guys, we could have this callback to season one. Or if maybe it was literally just an accident that they don't even remember that my lady was the thing for them. <laughs> that would be kind of hilarious, but I'm just so happy that it's in there. Um, I hope it's a callback. I like to think in my heart of hearts that that was a callback. I, know, I think I prefer it being that. an accident because that would be more in character for the writers. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> probably, yeah. You're probably right, Momo. But for the character of Lancelot, it was definitely a callback. And, like, you can see Gwen's little intake of breath when she kind of, I think she remembers too. And I'm just like, oh, <sighs> I'm just nothing about this scene is okay for me i'm just i'm just playing <laughs> with it very well like from start to finish from the second he showed up um the next one we have is a little again a little like in between you guys have mentioned this scene already where i called it the one with the narcolepsy <laughs> merlin just i mean <laughs> when you listen to the commentary like i would you like okay you guys i would absolutely recommend you listen to all the merlin commentaries but especially the ones that just bradley and colin do because they are very entertaining together but also just to hear bradley's laugh when colin rides in on that horse asleep and his head just going doing, doing, doing. <laughs> he's just he he does his <laughs> like that thing that he yeah. does and it's yeah. so and he's like what are you doing he's like that is actually how colin rides a horse <laughs> <It's just exactly laughs> um but yeah can you actually sleep on a horse sitting is that a thing if you're tired enough yeah but wouldn't you yeah. just fall off immediately this is why they talk about people tying themselves into their saddles so that they wouldn't fall off uh, mm. uh, 
I mean, I guess you have to have, like, you know, hope that more goes enchanted your horse too to know where you're supposed to be going if they do that because you could end up God knows where. Um, but yeah, I always was like, that, that seems really dangerous. But like Arthur's reaction to when he sees Merlin lying on the ground, it's to say, what are you doing, Merlin? Not to say, like, are you okay? Because it's clear what happened. He fell off his horse. He didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, gravity, Arthur. Clearly, Gaius hasn't been teaching you anything. Um, but it is a really funny scene, and Arthur's wa uh, wasting precious water just for comedic, you know, value of I don't know. Uh, I'm actually not going to say what I was thinking. <clears throat> anyway, so <laughs> the one with the reunion is what I've called it. This is our first Lancelot and Gwen, Gwencelot, whatever you want to call them, scene. So. This was actually, I think, shot in two, well, not not shot in two separate places, but I think Gwen's cell is like a set or, or, or location or I don't know which one. And then like them talking where like where we have Gwen's POV of Lancelot's face through the grate, like that's a different setup. And then Lancelot crouching down the exterior uh, bit of that is actually a different location altogether. So I'm yeah. always, always so impressed that people can like just maintain the continuity of the scenes like that. And we don't know any different unless you watch the commentary and then, you know, <laughs> so yeah, it's amazing. Um, also Lancelot, you cannot just ask a lady if she's been thinking about you. Oh, he, he can. <laughs> forward. Forward forward um you gotta play it cool bro yeah lancelot doesn't know how to play cool he's an epic yeah. romantic. he doesn't know how to play it cool he's just lays it all out on the line um but i just like okay lancelot doesn't smile a lot <laughs> but he smiles so much in this scene and in the other scene that they have together yeah this is what i'm saying like i know lancelot isn't a main character but she asks what became of you after you left Camelot? And he doesn't actually answer her. He just like goes emo and starts talking about, oh yeah. So she asks him what, what became of him. And he says, there are a few opportunities for men like me. A, what does that even mean? You're a normal person. When you left Camelot, you were just a normal person. And then like, oh. Camelot was... changed me. <laughs> No, I think it's about, you know, him being so noble and just wanting to serve, but also protect the land. And then he's just like, where am I going to find someone as noble as Arthur to serve? I am, whoa, me. My life is so well, difficult. Wandering, wandering sword for hire Lancelot is my favorite Lancelot. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, And he... Yes, he doesn't actually answer her. So I have these words. So my questions about what's actually happened to Lancelot in between Lancelot and Lancelot and Guinevere are completely unanswered. I, I would love to know how he wound up in a shithole like this, but apparently, you know, it was more important for us to see Merlin making barrels move. So there you go. Um, and I love, like, ah, so especially in the in these scenes, like, I love how tender they are with each other like they're just like and obviously they're whispering because they don't want anyone to hear them and stuff but just like they're so kind of like quiet and cute with one another and you know when Gwen says you know you were so full of hope and you know he says for all for all that I am you know my 
my hopes have come to nothing. And she says, you are everything that is right with this world. And you like, you still like, you know, you might have been worried that perhaps she was, I don't know, resentful, uh, you know, which she, of course, would have had the right to be after he left. Although, you know, he didn't leave her like they didn't like, you know, they weren't a thing. <laughs> Not <laughs> then. Um, but, you know, that he left Camelot and she's still just sees him for the good person that he is. And then how he just like reaches out to touch her hand. So I need soft, you to carry soft boy. Oh, soft. Just, and then his little like he's uh, I don't know which one of you said it, but um how he like how one you just said, Oh, I've thought of you often. Have you thought of me at all? And it's just <sighs> So her saying so in response to him saying, Have you thought of me at all? She says, I thought I would never see you again. And yeah, I mean, that was kind of like, wait, does that mean you weren't thinking about him? Exactly. There are so many things that you Aww. could fill in with that, that like, you know, it's really a, it's really a nothing answer, but it kind of also just gives, I mean, if you want to let your head run right with head cannons, you can just based on that yeah. answer. You know, she's kind of playing it cool too. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I'd never see you again, you know? And yeah, it's just, ah. Oh. It's perfect. I love it. I love the second one a bit more, but yeah, this one is absolutely beautiful. Um, I so the next... note. I yes. think it was this one. We hear the Gwen Lancelot theme for the first time, but do you know it's not introduced with violins? It's introduced with the oboe first, which I really kind of loved. I need and to then... actually listen to it. Yeah, and then when he walks away, then the violins start up. Hmm. But the first little bit, the first little bit of it is the oboe, not violins, which I... Oh appreciated (laughs) (laughs) and uh the next scene that we have i've called the one with the shower because merlin gets a shower another one uh again arthur's just i mean he could just gently you know tap merlin on the shoulder say hey babe time to go no he's just like (laughs) yeah uh it's uh yeah no it's apparently the ice bucket challenge in camelot because he's just you know water everywhere and but colin is so cute i was like uh, uh what's happening what? <laughs> and his uh, yeah and his hands are so big they just kind of like fall up when he's trying to like find like see what's going on but he literally looks the picture of like adorable like with just his head sticking out from under his jacket <laughs> i absolutely love it um and I love that Merlin like knows him so well. Like this, like this scene, I like I think could actually kind of stay. I think the previous one is a bit redundant. I think them escaping is a little bit redundant, but this one is actually kind of good because you're getting, you know, the cogs in Merlin's head are turned. Yeah, he's cottoning on for sure. Yeah, he's definitely kind of figuring things out. And Arthur, again, he's just stoic. He is extremely stoic. But um, yeah, I I will say though that I'm a bit like. I know that he knows that they spent time together in Gwen's house and everything, but I'm finding it difficult to connect the dots as to why Merlin would, like, not being in the audience's shoes and not knowing what's happened between Arthur and Gwen. If he hasn't caught on by now, like, what is it about Arthur going to rescue Gwen that would make him think Arthur is in love with Gwen, not Arthur is doing this for Morgana? That's where I kind of can't really figure it out. It's like... Why would he think that it's because something's going on between them when he hasn't suspected it up until now? It makes much more logical sense for him to think, oh, Morgana begged Arthur to go after Gwen, and Arthur is just a good person, you know? Because it was convenient for the plot writers to have him figure it out. Of course, I forgot about that little nugget of information. (laughs) 
Thank you very I think, much. For <laughs> I think the director must also just be like, yeah, can we get some water poured on Colin in this scene? Yeah, can we get some water poured on Colin in this scene? Yeah. The director just like some wet Colin. Now scene. it's a party. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, the one with the intimidation. Um, and... I love the fact, so Hengis goes to visit uh, the Lady Morgana, or Gwen, in her cell. And what I really love about this is, like, I don't know if this is where they were coming from with this acting choice, but I, this is what I read into it. When he comes in, Gwen stands. And that intrigues me, because at first you would think, oh, maybe it's because she's trying to get on his level. But think about it. If you're a noble woman, you don't, you know... You don't stand, you know, people stand for you, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of one inch. So Gwen is almost like, you know, she's playing it cool, but it's almost like her class structure is kind of such a part of who she is that she stands walks into a room. Yeah. Um, which is just so interesting to me. But Hengis is just so imposing in this scene, and I like that he's smart. He's a really good villain. I think he's one of the most memorable Merlin villains that we've ever had. Um yeah, and just the fact that he is figuring it out. Well, why is it taking so long for Uther? You know, he's a rich man. Mm-hmm. What's what's taking so long? Although, I guess in a way, he, you know, I might also be worrying that he's sending an army. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't. It's been like, has it been one night now? One night, I think. Yeah. So I guess he, the army wouldn't have necessarily reached him by this point. But yeah, he's. He's getting suspicious, and rightfully so. Gwen is still playing it hella cool, in my opinion, considering. And, uh, yeah, how, how she kind of plays it off is like, well, how am I supposed to know what Uther is saying if I'm if I'm locked in here, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good call. Like, how much yeah. some of the king's mind? Like, mm, nice line. Good, good. good. Um, another nice line is <laughs> Hengist's laugh when he walks out of the... He's just that kind of... <laughs> james cosmo man it's just like oh man he's just so good in this right he just he's clearly just reveling playing this character especially especially later on with lancelot in the cage like oh he's down i love it he is so good in this like i mean take a shot every time i say that because it's just Mm. yeah it's it's amazing um the one with the rat I really like this scene, and at first I was like, ah, more comedy. But actually, no. I realize this scene is really important for the plot because what it's actually telling you, again, this is such a, like, in my opinion, it's such a subtle episode because Arthur essentially is taking himself and Merlin into a place where he doesn't know if they're going to come out alive. And we don't know that at this point, nor does he. Uh, Well, no, sorry, he does, but Merlin doesn't. And so what you find out later is that he really put his life on the line just to shave off a day's worth of riding so he can go and save this person that he, you know, is going to say that he loves, or not, you know, say those words, but that he cares about. And that is such subtle storytelling. You know, he doesn't just say like, oh, I would risk my life for her. No, no, no. Like through like a series of circumstances, including, you know, this scene that we don't find out until later. Oh, he was in real danger. And that's Mm -hmm. really cool. It's really, really cool. And I love Bradley's reading of this line. We can save a day's writing if we go to the caves of Andor. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the most pointless names they come up with in this show. <laughs> just like, I love it. 
Um, but yeah, I just love this dynamic between them. Like they so rarely get to do this. Like just kind of the whole, oh no, I know that face. Like I'm not gonna like this, and how he's just yeah. like, you know, they're infested with ordering. Oh, maybe we should go over the mountains. Yeah. Their comic timing is impeccable, and just Bradley's like his hands going out and then coming back in when he sees Merlin's face. <laughs> Actually, I, I noticed two two uh, style or uh, that. Sorry, two times they did that style of comedy where it's like, oh, maybe we should go over the mountains instead, <laughs> you know, really quickly. And then also, like, would you rather be eaten by both of uh, Pass me some more of those berries, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps you'd rather be eaten alive. And to be fair, if you actually thought that that was going to work, like, I would have smothered myself. Like, they barely, like, yeah. like did anything. You gotta anything. get it down in your armpits, in your smell yeah. zones. Like, like just... They really, yeah, just, oh, it's just kind of like, okay, fine, like, I but, guess the time. Uh, the Gaia Berries are also used again in the Darkest Hour part two, so at least they're like, oh, we have a way to implement that again. Oh, fuck, yeah, another callback to this episode. I completely forgot about that with the Wilderin. Yeah, Jesus, I'm really stupid, but, or maybe that just shows how pointless season five was. Um, But it's just like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Does anyone here on the podcast disagree about that? Well, for some reason, it didn't work in that one because Gwen still had to kill that wilderness. Mm. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's but it, it's a massive risk. I mean, in a way, yes, it really does prove what Arthur is willing to go through for, to save Gwen. If you want to look at it from the slightly more negative point of view, I am surprised that he like risks Merlin's life like that, and he does apologize for it. I'm not saying that he doesn't apologize for it, but Arthur, hmm. Come on now. You didn't have any idea if you were going to get through that alive. So yeah. in, in his defense, he did say perhaps they can get us through the tunnels undetected. He said he didn't know. Just Merlin didn't hear that part, I guess. Yeah, but Merlin will do anything Arthur says. Legit, legit. Like, he's just like, my husband knows what he's doing. I'm just going to follow him. <laughs> Uh, I read I on the the internet told me that they used um, red shampoo and jam for the jam. Yeah, berry yeah, effect. yeah. I mean, it works perfectly. It looks, yeah, yeah it looks like look, it look like berry bits. Yeah. Um. So the next scene that we have is the one with all the feelings. Um. And I do just want to point out now that we're in this kind of part of the episode where where Lancelot has shown up, we're now essentially just getting because we've we've uh, left Camelot now. We're basically only in Hengis Castle and then on the road, and we basically are getting just this back and forth. Mel and Arthur, Lancelot and Gwen. Mel and Arthur, Lancelot and Gwen. And something that Bradley said when he was uh, commentating on this episode was he said, I really like the duality of these journeys that we're seeing, like the two couples that feel like they're destined to end up together, which is Lancelot and Gwen and Merlin and Arthur. And just like the rest of us, he also thought that Lancelot and Gwen were clearly going to be endgame. <laughs> and it's just um i love that this is kind of also showing visually because we're constantly cutting back and forth when we're not with lancelot and gwen we are with merlin arthur and vice versa and again the fact that normally merlin arthur are like angsty mcangstersome but they are actually you know tweedledum and tweedledee in this episode Mm -hmm. and lancelot and gwen are just like you know feelings so it's just kind of a really different uh way of doing it and yeah i like that we have that kind of Back and forth. It's good. I like it a lot. Uh, the one with all the feelings. This is the second like uh, prison scene with Lancelot and Gwen. And uh, yeah, Lancelot checking because he's terrified that he, you know, might find Gwen's cell empty. And I absolutely love that. I will. S- 
I wish we'd had like another scene, maybe just like a shot of uh, like Lancelot listening in to like Gwen's cell or just kind of being nearby because I don't see any reason why he should be sneaking around unless the fighters aren't allowed to be out of their dorm rooms. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and and hearing Hengist shout at Gwen because it seems a little bit kind of like out of nowhere that he's just scared that he'd find her cell empty. Like, why would he think that? Like, you know, he mm-hmm. hasn't seen her be executed. Um, and they have, you know, some dialogue about what Lancelot is going to do after you know Gwen escapes or what he's going to do from now on and you know he's just like I don't care I've got nothing left to live for and I mean Lancelot is just really depressed at this point in his life (laughs) and I mean I'm really sad about it because like she says he came to Camelot like this little boy like ray of sunshine who just wanted to do good in the world and like you know even though he'd seen his family murdered before (laughs) his eyes which he came he came to Camelot a sweet, innocent cinnamon bun. Yeah. And I, yeah, he, I mean, I think that what's happened to him in between then and now probably has much more to do with his scars than what happened in Camelot, but we don't know what happened. So we can't speak to that. But I just think it's really interesting that he is what, by the looks of things, just at the lowest point in his life. I mean, it, it just feels like up until this point, he's just been basically like, getting up in the morning and just fighting to see if he'll live another day. And he's just like, you know what? If today is a day, then today is as good a day as any, you know? And it's just like, oh, and then he sees Gwen and everything changes. It's just beautiful. Um, But her line of, I will come for you before nightfall. I'm like, that's what he said. Yes. But also it's just such a, but it's just such a like, hero line as well just everything about like everything about this episode to me just screams like that kind of classic yeah like hero and like it it feels a bit princess bride actually to me Mm -hmm. in that respect you know that kind of like setup of oh i just love it and it's got like the balance of humor and the balance of drama i love it basically he says for all my words for all that i believed i have come to nothing and she says you are everything that is right with this world so maybe i misquoted myself earlier and he says, I did not know you felt that way, which is kind of amazing because obviously they didn't really say what they felt to one another and Lancelot, but it's just kind of like incredible that he didn't know that like and she, she thought. She, she's like, I didn't know I could feel that way about someone. Like, what? Go girl. There you go. Exactly. You can That's- feel it. That's fine. more like it. <laughs> um, and just the fact. Yeah. Yeah. But again, just the fact that he thinks so little of himself that he didn't think someone like Gwen would ever find good in him, even after all the people he's probably killed since he's left Camelot. It's, you know, it's uh, it's just amazing. And then how, you know, they hold hands again and he says, and then you have given me a reason to live. And like handholding is a thing for them in this episode. They do mm-hmm. it four times. I counted. <laughs> and it's uh, like every single, oh no, sorry. Well, five times if, well, I'll get to that. But, uh, <laughs> I need to analyze every handhold. Like this is the last time they're going to be together for a very long time. You can't. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I just have like a load of key smashes in my notes. And this is beautiful. When he, when he, you know, so he says, no matter what it takes, I will find a way to get you out of here. And then he leaves, you know, says, I will come be before nightfall. Away. And then as he leaves, like, and he takes his hand away, like, like she just like extends her fingers, like, Oh, don't go. Just 
Oh, these guys are just... Okay, let's move on. Okay, I've called the next scene the famous one. Because I feel like this scene is pretty famous. It's the one with Merlin and Arthur by the river. I call this one the one that very talented fan vitters recut like magic. Mm -hmm. We've all done it. We've used this countless times. I know I've used it countless times. It is brilliant. Um, Right, let's unpack this. So, first of all, Arthur just being like, oh, I just definitely almost got you killed (laughs) and being very unhappy about this and then to me what i love about vidding this scene when merlin goes oh what's that wildering eating oh it's okay it's just merlin and then it cuts back to arthur and he's got this smile (laughs) and if you guys haven't rewatched this episode in a while or you've not seen the gifs or just please just go and see it it's just kind of like huff smile and like he's just so like in like just loving merlin's freak out but like it's a ah i mean you guys know what smile i'm talking about and it's Mm -hmm. absolutely just the best thing ever and yeah merlin just being like and then arthur saying i'm sorry and merlin like he visibly kind of goes (laughs) i don't want to forgive you um and something that Bradley has, again, I'm just referring to Bradley because, you know, I feel like maybe his opinion on this scene is more valid than mine. Um, but he has said that what really works in this episode, actually, is that kind of the way that Merlin approaches the situation is that he keeps like teasing and teasing because he thinks he's going to get a reaction out of Arthur until he presses too hard and he doesn't realize that it actually means more than he originally thought. Mm-hmm. Like that actually there's something a, bo- a bit more serious there than he originally anticipated and he's like oh shit now i've done it <laughs> um but the dialogue here is just a little bit okay it's fine i wish they'd written better dialogue for arthur to be honest with you and the line that i kind of have issue with is i care about her more than anyone because i don't mind the i think about her all the time i don't know what i would do if any harm comes to her but I care about her more than anyone. For me, it does just feel a bit like... Uh, and not to mention, oh, I don't know, more than Morgana, more than Uther, more than Merlin. Really? Like, I know it's just a figure of speech, but I'm just like, come on, guys. Please, please do better than this. Um, And I feel like Merlin's role in this scene is to basically fully transition him into what we will now be calling the Arwen Shipper TM which to me is a bit stupid because Merlin is not like I know Merlin is a bit of a naive character but to me to say to Arthur like oh who's to say that nothing can happen between you is just one step too far it just makes him look like actually stupid it's like oh I don't know maybe because she's a servant like it's just i don't know why do you i mean why do you guys think okay this is the question i'm gonna pose why do you guys think merlin was kind of given this role as like the arwen shipper tm i know that obviously he's like arthur's confidant and the one that arthur kind of is in you know it is his scene partner for a lot of the show but i don't really understand why he had to kind of fulfill that role I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say the writers lean heavily on people 
knowing the legends, I guess. They drop a lot of little lines in there that to make people go, oh, but the legends, you know, like, oh, who would ever want to marry Arthur? Ah, uh, that's funny. So mm. with this, like, everybody knows, like, that Arthur and Gwen are going to get married. And for Merlin, I think in this scene is for him to be kind of like something that the audience, because if, if it was just Arthur being like, eh, the audience would be like, you change things, you do it. And that's just Merlin kind of being like, well, you could change it. Yeah. And you could marry or Well, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're king, you can change yeah. that, which. Well, I think, yeah. I think that when you're king, it, it calls back to it's this Merlin's eternal quest is to change Arthur, Arthur's mind, right? To show him that things don't have to be the same. Yeah. Yes. He's king. And so that goes to the magic thing, too. In this, I think he's just being. Oh, that's so but, cool. but it sets up that concept that what you don't have to do it like your dad did. So yes. when you're king, you can change that. There are things there are things you could change magic things <laughs> magic things maybe <laughs> that is I, so interesting i've never thought of it like that i love that this is why we have cello on the show okay i'm just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just this is what i like i just love having people to bounce off of because my brain is always full of thoughts tm and i always need like kind of people to be like well have you thought about it from this point of view and i love that that is such an interesting way of looking at it um when arthur says that you know, his father won't let him rescue a servant. What makes you think he'd let me marry a servant? And, <laughs> and, and Merlin goes, you want to marry her? And he's like, no! And uh. immediately I'm thinking, this reminds me of what Merlison talked about in Female Villains. Arthur immediately goes to like, I like you, we're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is something that Momo, I think, brought up. I don't remember what what uh, podcast it was on but Arthur is you know very mature in this moment you know where he kind of is like oh well you know that that's gonna be years you know I'm not gonna be king for a long time and I'm not you know Gwen isn't gonna wait for me that's ridiculous um and obviously Merlin kind of Merlin also brings up an interesting point where he's like, well, if she feels as you do, and then obviously, like in the previous scene, we just saw her <laughs> confessing her feelings with somebody else. Yeah. And it's just like, ouch, <laughs> she doesn't feel as you do. She'll wait for you. The narrator comes in. She did not. She did not. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, Arthur just kind of, that's it. Let's put a stop to that. And we're just going to go save Gwen. And that's all we're doing for now. And, um, Merlin just can't help himself. His little, we could talk about your feelings while we walk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shut up, Merlin. Classic. I'll never get bored of the shut up, Merlin. And um, yeah, I'm not mad there's about a, it. There's a lovely little, I will make your life a living hell. Tell me more so than usual. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is a slight tone to that that makes me kind of go, really? <laughs> Over a cup of coffee? Um, <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Get it while it's hot. The one where Hengist figures it out. Um, for some reason, he brings Gwen to the cage rather than visiting her in the cell. I don't know why. There we go. Um, to terrify her. He's yeah, hoping terrifying. to get her to hit something. Uh, yep. Good, good one. Good she one. Because eat. Sorry. She doesn't want to get eaten. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, I will say one thing that annoys me in this episode, and it's the same thing that annoys me about this plot point that they have in The Mummy. Stay with me. Um, that he mentions here how, oh, how could Uther possibly leave you to experience a slow and painful death? And he says the same thing to Lancelot later on. He's like, before you die, I can promise you the most unimaginable pain. And in The Mummy, Evie mentions uh, when they talk about the scarabs and how they were put into the coffin with um, thingy, uh, blah, 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 the mummy guy. I, I the cannot priest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Imhotep, that's one. Imhotep. Uh, he, uh, she says, uh, and so they just slowly ate, ate him alive, and she's like, very slowly. Slowly enough for him to carve his name into the coffin. However, any time we saw the scarabs in action, they ate them like it was a all-you-can-eat buffet, and it was gone within seconds. And these uh, uh, mole rats, these um, wildren, don't seem to be taking their time either, because they eat by the looks of things every time we see them they're eaten instantly so why a slow painful death are they still alive while they're digesting <laughs> like i don't really like this is again this is just stupid i'm like why why are you why unless he's That's, just trying to scare her with the slow and painful death thing that does kind of remind me that we missed the bit in the cave where the uh wilderness like slobbering all over merlin's face oh, I see. Like and that do. i just okay so practical and trying so hard a lot of fun yeah but i to me, that was a complete waste of time and resources. <laughs> I, I know that it's meant to be, oh, look, they're interacting with the CG thing, but yeah. ah, this, why? Why? I mean, that was because they wanted to paint egg goo all over Colin's face. That's why. <laughs> I mean, who also, doesn't? If, uh, the Wheel of Plots. Um, but yeah, so uh, Kendra, uh, not Kendrick, sorry, uh, Hengist, again, smart cookie, asks why Lady Morgana has the hands of a servant girl. I just love it when people use their brains. It's amazing. Um, yes. And like that kind of make, you know, and he's, and he's really up in her face. He's very scary. I really, really appreciate the lengths that they went to to make him a really intimidating villain. And I'm sure that James Cosmo is actually nothing like that in real life. And it's amazing to just see how these people can transform themselves. I think it's amazing. Uh, the next one. Uh, oh, okay. So, sorry. Uh, just after this, she gets thrown back into her cell, and you know, she just basically she loses cries. it and starts crying. And yeah, it's very sad. But oh, but before that, sorry. There's a bit where Hengist, uh, you know, is saying, um, "I keep asking myself, you know, why does Uther not pay?" And Gwen goes, "I don't know." please and she just starts begging and i'm like oh she's like really losing it by this point you know like she's you know been in confinement for like what a couple of days by now yeah. and she's just really not okay and angel plays it so well it's just brilliant um the one where lancelot becomes james bond um it's just like really funny like with the like poison on a string trick or whatever mm -hmm. he, the sleeping draft i don't know it's yeah. really clever again just ah uh, such a like a like an adventure packed episode. Yeah, I saw. I'd be like dripping it down the string like that. That's a pretty good idea. Well, yeah. well done. Um, well done. He's been learning some stuff on his adventures. Yeah, exactly. But it makes me again. It kind of makes me want to know what his job is in Hengist Palace. That he's sneaking around so much. Why are you sneaking around so much? But also this kind of sneaky like espionage kind of Lancelot is very attractive to me, and I very much <laughs> like it. I like it very much. I like. I like people who are efficient, okay? So I just really like seeing people being efficient at what they're trying to achieve. So if it's breaking someone out of prison, I want to see that they are efficient in doing it, clever, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, get it done. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, the one with the rescue, I mean, it just 
follows on straight on from that. So uh, Lancelot uh, comes into the cell, and again, it's just this kind of like hero shot where he comes in and he gives her that kind of little kind of little nod of the head as like, I told you I'd be here. And she like puts her hand out for him to take and like pick her up. (sighs) I love them. I just love them. I love them. And that was like such a cute moment. And then like the iconic shot of them running down the hallway with the backlight is absolutely, I mean, uh, that one I think is like a couple of shots later, but it's amazing. It it, It gives me all of the vibes of like, this is the kind of shot I would imagine happening and it makes me feel like this is the vibe they were going for with this scene like they're like this epic moment between them and them running down this like darkened hallway like in the dark and secret like not only is it obviously very Lancelot and Gwen because Lancelot and Guinevere you know like adulterous vibes (laughs) but Mm. it's like it just made me think of oh like this is a sign of things to come for them like this secrecy and this like like in the shadows and that never happened (laughs) So again, it just it, this episode seemed to be sowing a lot of seeds that never grew, but I appreciated them nonetheless, and I really liked that. So everything about this scene to me is just kind of incredible. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So basically, the violins, obviously, um, we know that those violins uh, are well. We spoke about them in the music episode. We'll briefly mention it again here. They are. Arthur and Gwen's theme but really they're kind of Gwen's theme from what we gathered because that's kind of her it's her heart really that's in those strings that's kind of what we said wasn't it uh cello mm-hmm. cello yeah. yeah that was yeah. on that podcast yeah um so I appreciate that it's absolutely beautiful I love the fact that she's the one that initiates this kiss it's just like I don't know why, but like she has this kind of look, like she's conflicted, like she just doesn't know what to do, like she's about this might be the last time that they ever see each other, and like this is just the only thing she can think of to do. You know, he tells her to run, uh, and she says, "I'm not leaving you. I don't want to leave you here to die." And just his response being, "I would die for you 100 times over," and his oh, yeah, all <sighs> oh, good. This dude, man, he knows exactly what to say. You know, oh my God, you know that Lancelot would have like a silver tongue, but without realizing that he has a silver tongue. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, he just, yeah. Like, it just comes from the heart. But I love the fact, like, just, oh, okay, just the physicality in the scene as well. Like, I'm sorry that I'm dissecting it so much, but this is just such a beautiful moment. Like, it's kind of like, and I I don't want to make this sound like mean. But it's the polar opposite of Arthur and Gwen's first kiss. Like I was just gonna say that I was like, yeah. oh, it's it's like framed super tight and it's dark and dark. and it's they're gritty. clinging to each other like it's, they're yes. like, clinging like like he's like, got for dear life. Yeah, like he's I think he's got his hands on her face and she's got her hands on his shoulders and they're just like they're clinging to one another and there's just like this kind of white beam of light somewhere that's like in it and it kind of makes the whole scene look a bit kind of blue which is like the polar opposite of the yellow like of the Arthur and Gwen scene even though it's set to the same music again it's just that beautiful duality of like the like what these two pairings are actually destined to be like Arthur and Gwen out in the out in the light and out for all the people to see and Lancelot and Gwen kind of like you know the the shadows in the shadows and the the secret love yes it's absolutely beautiful and then live for me or everything that I am has been for nothing and of course 
I'm surprised she didn't just say, fuck it, I'll just die right here <laughs> with yeah. you. I'm not, like, what's the point of living when no one will talk to me like that? Exactly. Um, it's just, yeah. <laughs> um, and I love the fact, I mean, I don't know if this was a deliberate callback. This one, I genuinely, like, I do genuinely think that the My Lady, My Lady thing was a callback to Lancelot. Sweet Dreams, when Gwen says to Arthur, live for me, I genuinely don't actually think that that was supposed to be a callback to this or what do you guys think because it's the no, same it's, it's i don't i don't think it's it might be like the same writer using the same line just because that's, <laughs> that's their style like oh you know live for me that's yeah. a great way to say goodbye all the yeah, time that's true yeah it doesn't sound like it was meant to be part of the lore yeah maybe i mean it's it's quite nice in a way that like you know if you i mean i can only really do head cannons, you know, because it's like I have nothing of actual essence to go from from the script. So it's kind of I like that maybe you know after he left her at the end of this episode, like she kind of carries a part of him with her. That then she kind of it's almost like she then finds the strength with that to then kind of move on, you know, to kind of be with Arthur and kind of accept kind of that love, you know, mm. that you know she uses that line. But yeah, it it was a bit it was a bit sloppy. Um, I love also just after uh, he says I would die for you 100 times over they uh, they cling to one another and Gwen lets out this little kind of like <sighs> like kind of cry as if to like like she just can't like she just doesn't want to leave him and again these two I, I honestly just it's just so rare for me to see chemistry like this between two people like they have so little screen time but I just buy every single second that they're on screen together um, and then yeah she kisses him and their faces are pretty much completely blacked out. Like, uh, vidding this scene is a nightmare. <laughs> I can tell <laughs> you that much. <laughs> because when they're not kissing, you have the light bouncing off their faces. But when, but when they, but once they lips meet, they're completely blacked out unless you make it super grainy. So it's a, it's a pig, but it's beautiful to look at in the episode. And mm. you can, like, when they pull away, Lancelot's face just looks like, ah. <laughs> Like, he just looks like the best thing that ever happened to him. And, like, she just says, like, as long as I live, my feelings for you will never fade, which is just every Gwen Slot shippers, like, like they just want it. Like, I just want to hear that word, like, those words everywhere I go. Like, they are just, I love them for this ship. And it's pretty much all that got me through, like, season three, season four, season five, when Lancelot wasn't around. I was like, my feelings will never fade. That's what she said. She said that. <laughs> she said it. She said it. She said it. <laughs> <laughs> even when she married Arthur, she said that. <laughs> um, so I was super happy with that. And the fact that he's like stroking her face while she's saying it. And then he actually has to like let her go and just say, just run, leave before I don't let you leave <laughs> because like I can't. <laughs> and she runs off and he goes to fight the guards. And I, uh, it, this is the track, uh, Cello, uh, you might need to remind me. It's Lancelot's heroism, isn't it? This one where he's. Yes. Fight, and there's that swelling music that just gets more and more and more the more people he fights and um colin mentioned it in the commentary as well that he said i like that this kind of gives a more emotional edge to the scene people that are not heartbroken are the happy bandits in the next scene because it's called the one with the happy bandits uh they are extremely delighted they are laughing and cackling and they're probably all drunk based on what we said earlier on yeah. <laughs> which i just Oh, I absolutely love it. So basically, what I love about this moment is that Lancelot, like, 
accidentally rhymes like while he's talking it's absolutely incredible so hengist is like before you die and he's got this like before you die i can promise you the most unimaginable pain and he act you know again testament to these actors because they actually are looking kind of frightened like you would if someone promised you the most unimaginable pain before you died and he says you can do whatever you like to me i do not care you can do no harm to guinevere and i I mean i'm sure that it wasn't you know purposeful but i just love it and hengist (laughs) just has that like his eyes go away like was that a name (laughs) It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Again, James Cosmo kills it in this scene. Um, the fact that he's just being such a little shit, I just think is amazing how he's just more like... More than I'll ever know. Yeah, and that must hurt you more than I will ever understand. Yeah, and like Bradley cool. and Colin lost it as well at that moment. They were brilliant. But before that, because what he's actually referring to, for those people that don't obsessively watch this episode like me, is that... Um, there is uh, a line where Hengist says, oh, the servant girl. And he says, and you really believe that she's worth dying for. And Lancelot, who is about to meet a gruesome fate, who believes he's at the end of his life and who he thinks has managed to save the love of his life. And at least that's the one thing he managed to do. Just laughs. He laughs at, at Hengist and he just says, she is worth more to me than you will ever understand. And, ah, if Gwen was there, I think she'd marry him on the spot, honestly. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Hengist is obviously um, ready to, you know, bring out his wild card, which is Gwen. Gwen's just on the other side of the gate. She probably heard him. <laughs> oh, my God, that is kind of, like, the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> that is amazing. Of course she must have heard yes. him. I got my um, arms up in triumph and joy that I just made your day. Yes! <laughs> but what I do find really uh, cool about this, I mean, so who actually saw this coming the first time that they watched the episode? I mean, I'm sure it was a long time ago that we all watched this, but I think this is, I mean, this doesn't seem like, you know, we think that Gwen's gone. Like, yeah, who would think I'm that pretty sure I, I thought so too. Yeah, yeah like, I think I might have thought it again last night when I rewatched it. It's been so long since I've seen it. I was like, I thought she escaped. I was like, oh, ah. Uh, it's kind oh, of well, kind but of... then Arthur doesn't get to save them, right? So that's right. that's right. And I'm pretty sure that if I'd been watching it with my other half, he'd have been like, "Surprise!" Because he guesses everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it kind of it works both ways. I think for me, I was if I was watching it now and I hadn't seen it before, it would surprise me only because then in my mind, I'd be like, well, Arthur can show up and just save Lancelot or maybe like Gwen bumps into Arthur outside and they save Lancelot together. I something. think that's what I might've remembered. Happen- I thought I was like, Oh, she's just, just bump into them and be fine. I don't know. It, yeah. It's, it's a, it's an effective thing in that now they're, now you're really doubling down and Lancelot's declared his undying love and he was going to be a martyr and d- damn it. Now he doesn't get to be a, <laughs> <laughs> he looks so wrecked too. He's like, no. He, you know, he is just because, yeah, like we said, he's about to die, and you know, he he doesn't you care that he's about failed to die. her. Yeah, like all, all all he cares about is that she got away. That is all that is getting him through the thought that he's about to be eaten alive. And now the fact that she's going to be eaten alive as well is too, like he can't he can't bear it. Um, but we have a scene in between, like their 
decorations or whatever. Um, Heck yeah, we do. Oh yeah. The wardrobe change. Yeah, it's called the, well, I've called it the one with the distraction. And my first note is, and I don't mean Colin's neck because, <laughs> very distracting. But a little side note uh, for selfish reasons, uh, please. This, finally, we have gotten in our kind of timeline of reviewing Merlin. This is the first scene of Merlin that I ever saw. Ever. Is it? This was, really? This, this one. The the one with the distraction, I believe I saw like a tiny clip of them outside in the dark and I couldn't quite see them properly. And then just as they're trying to distract the guards. And this was when I was, I think I was sitting with my mom and I was like, oh, um, who are these two? Like, and Colin gets pushed in front and you don't really see Arthur and Colin's talking for a while. I, uh, like, I doubt I was listening because I was probably asking my mom, who is this person? <laughs> and uh, she was like, oh, this is, uh... oh, no, sorry. Colin was talking and I assumed he was like some sidekick character, like not the main protagonist. And then Arthur comes up and like, Joosh. and then she was like, oh, so this is the, uh, this is Arthur. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, like that makes sense. Like, like he's blonde. But like, so like, where's Merlin? Like, where's uh, where is the old dude? And she's like, no, no, that's Merlin. And I immediately went, oh, that is interesting. And that was a love affair that was then going to last forever. And yeah, it was like, so I was like, oh, so the young dude that I've been seeing in all the promos on TV, that's actually Merlin. I, again, I assumed he was like a different character, like maybe like an apprentice to Merlin or, or something. Pager. Yeah, so what actually happened, apart from uh, my uh, lifetime awakening and uh, meeting my future husband, Colin Morgan, you see them in here and they have that really adorable thing where Arthur pushes them into the thing. And <laughs> the guards in the scene are hilarious because... They're just so aggro. They're like, what are you doing there? It's just like, like, are you this because you work for someone evil? So you have to also pretend to be evil. Like, you know, they just practice that sneer in the mirror like every day <laughs> just to like make sure that they're on point for when anyone kind of accidentally barges in. Um, Merlin is just so great at bullshitting. He's like, do you know the way to the Vale of Denaria? It's just brilliant. <laughs> Um, and then I just... took a wrong turn at Walla Walla. <laughs> <laughs> Albuquerque. She would take a look at Albuquerque. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Am I... I'm trying to find Fantasyland. Is this Tomorrowland? <laughs> I'm a bit confused. Um, and then just the douche and the foley. <laughs> Arthur. That was a weird punch, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just like Arthur being like the brainless like muscle in the in, in that moment. <laughs> And then them getting changed into outfits that I'm surprised no one has ever cosplayed. I haven't wardrobe, seen them. Wardrobe change, yeah. Merlin getting to wear something other than his three shirts. Yes. I love it. He looks really good in that outfit as well. Really, just really saying. Good. You're looking pretty good in there. He's looking pretty good, even though he's covered up, which I'm just yeah. like. Oh, but it's that... in leather, so it's, yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah. like Buckles okay. and leather and chain. Listen. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay, fun. moving on to something more cooling. Anyway, um, well, actually, I, I say that. We have the one with the hand holding. Ugh. Okay, so the happy bandits are just very happy. Hengist decides to ask if he should spare them, and they're just like, go, 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 go. People like this really exist in real life. They just you must see... not ever watch like MMA. <laughs> oh god, are they exactly like that? I don't know. I don't watch MMA, but I bet you they're like. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to bars that show MMA. <laughs> god. 
Um, so what I love about this moment is the way, I mean, it, I don't know if this was Hengist's plan, but it seems like even if it wasn't, it ended up being like painfully cruel that like, you know, these two lovers who, you know, are basically, again, this really, these really are now their final moments. Like this is where they're going to die. This is where they're going to spend their last moments and they can't even comfort each other because they're, they've been tied up back to back. And it's just so cruel. Like it's just, it's yeah it's it's just really really vindictive and vicious like all they can do is just like squeeze each other's hands they can't face each other they can't hold each other like in their last moments they just that's it like they just kind of have to deal with it on their own and you know gwen gwen is actually dealing with it like not as well as lancelot i think lancelot has kind of gotten over the shock you know gwen um apologizes she believes that she well you know because she you know got Lancelot into this by trying to, you know, get her to escape. And he just says, you have nothing to be sorry for. You reminded me of who I am and I will die with faith in my heart. That is worth more than anything. Someone just start right tattooing these words on something (laughs) because it's just, it's too much. And that makes Gwen like, you know, unclench her hand and squeeze, squeeze his hand to comfort him. And there's this beautiful shot. Like it's kind of a weird angle. It's kind of like from the outside of the, like cage kind of but it's because Gwen's basically like biting her lip and trying not to cry I assume you know because death and um Lancelot kind of exhales and like like kind of moves his head up as if to kind of psych himself up and again I love that when you have act because we know they're not going to die we know they're not going to die but they don't know that they're not going to die and I love it when actors <laughs> that you acting. yeah I, but I love it that they're not you know because I do feel like I see in films a lot that when you know that people aren't going to die, you also feel like they're not scared because they also kind of secretly know it. And I love that Lancelot is kind of psyching himself up to be like, okay, it'll be over, it'll be over, it'll be over. And it's like, oh, like it almost like gives me chills thinking about it. It's really, really good. Um, I love it. Then they release the Wilderin who uh, takes a sweet time because protagonists. Um, so he's not going to go straight for them like he did with Kendrick, because of course not. Well, I mean, the Wilderin just ate, so, you know, the Wilderin just ate a day ago or something. Maybe it's not that, that hungry, and so it's taking its time. Momo always just, you know, you dropping some knowledge on us, so. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. The only thing I'm here for. So, the one where Arthur shows up, I mean, I just kind of split these up so we wouldn't kind of have, like, a whole chunk of crap to talk about. Um, they're wearing masks which seems a bit redundant to me because with Hengist I mean if Hengist, if Hengist doesn't know what Morgana looks like what makes you think like oh <laughs> <laughs> why would he yeah whatever I, maybe it's just so we recognize him easier in the crowd because that doesn't make him look suspicious no one else is wearing masks Arthur just like no one else was wearing clothes in that cave scene in 501 <laughs> please just take off your shirt um so basically there is a okay i don't know if any of you guys noticed this but you know when like he jumps in and like they're trying to get around the wilderness there's so much there's like a couple of like reused shots in there but they're like blatantly reused like to the point where i think like the mouth is moving but no words are coming out mm-hmm. oh god <laughs> had a bit Actually, of a i have a good one where the internet told me that uh it was a stunt double that did arthur's jump into the cage mm-hmm. and so looking back with or watching it with that knowledge uh, Cinematography-wise, they line the shot up so Arthur's face is behind one of the cage bars when he makes the jump. Yeah. So you don't notice it. Ah. 
Nice. So it's blocked and it's really quick too. Like it's. Yeah, it's you like would. Yeah. Um, so Arthur's, what are you doing here, Lancelot? And Lancelot says, came to save Gwen. What about you? And I'm just like, that's not really true, is it, Lancelot? <laughs> you were about yeah. to get eaten. <laughs> you are about to get eaten and you also didn't come to save Gwen. You were already a prisoner under very dubious circumstances, some of which might have to do with Jeff Goldblum and Loki. And well, I'm not sure were... about that because um, after he won that first fight, uh, he was paid. Like, I thought he was supposed to leave after that. And so, maybe, but then he saw Gwen, so he's like, I'm sticking around to help her out. I mean, this is the thing. Like, it's just never really made clear yeah. if he lives there. I think it's actually very ambiguous what he's doing there, whether he was there before Gwen showed up, like, for a long period of time, whether he showed up basically then and just came to fight. Because, yeah, Hengist doesn't know who he is, does he? He asks his name and he says, my name is Lancelot, emo. Um, and he TM. TM. <laughs> I like to dance a lot. (laughs) And I like to woo a lot, apparently. I do not smile a lot, as Rock said before. (laughs) He does not smile a lot. He doesn't smile a lot, but what he lacks in smiles, he makes up for in words. So there you go. Um, But yeah, he he actually has to tell Hengist his name. So Hengist doesn't know who he is. I really have no idea what Lancelot is doing there. What his job title is, I'm don't know if he has a contract i don't know if he's being paid properly <laughs> i'm very concerned about minimum wage he better be getting minimum wage yeah exactly i just i'm i'm very concerned about my boy and you know his uh his his uh working conditions so yeah um but arthur yeah basically is trying to save gwen and Lance. i mean they're kind of both trying to save gwen kind of at this point there's a lot of stuff happening hengist is reaching for a bow uh, for a crossbow to just deal with it himself i don't know why he cares at this point to be honest with you about these people where he doesn't just like i don't know what like what his plan is but he's a very angry young man that could do with some counseling and uh then merlin uh, notices this, and I'm only bringing this uh, bit up because he says a magic spell, and the ch- and the chandelier falls onto Hengist because a it's a, it's a cute little callback to Dragon's Call when he did that for the first time. But second of all, that was again the first magic spell I ever heard Merlin say, and as soon as I heard him say it, I was like, ah, because <laughs> Merlin speaking magic is kind of a thing for me, so I was just kind of like, that sounds really really good, <laughs> and it was the first magic spell I ever heard him use, so I was just like, this is awesome. Mentioning about the chandelier callback from uh, the first episode, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that now to see, because it, it, it felt like that cut was weird, and I think that chain-breaking shot might have been from reused from the first episode. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Because they, they kind of yeah. do that a lot. They do. They absolutely do. Because um, um, television and budget and no time and no sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but... um. So what happens after this is they decide that they need to get out through the tunnels and that that's the quickest way. And so Arthur yells for Merlin, who's hiding under the table for some reason. We don't know why. And he <laughs> uh, jumps over the cage and Arthur like has to like manhandle him up and like pull him up by his scruff. Like he just weighs nothing. I think he's brilliant and like kind of get him out of harm's way. And I and I just love Arthur like physically protecting Merlin like that. Like it's just one of my favorite things ever because I just because like I just think it's cute. I love it. Um, I love it so much. Um. And so Arthur gets out of there hella fast. Like he's just like grabs Gwen and he's out of there. (laughs) Bye. Um, Comparing in mind, okay, like this is again, this is just so stupid on the writer's part because it was like like they just needed it for the plot, but from a character point of view, it makes no no sense because I know Lancelot can fight, but Arthur 
logically would have grabbed Merlin and Gwen and gone, mm-hmm. let's get out of here because he knows Merlin can't fight and he doesn't know Merlin has magic. So why Come would on, Gwen, he... let's leave these two losers to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It's, yeah, it's just uh, the Wheel of Plots continues. And the reason why the Wheel of Plots continues is so that Merlin can um, close the gate, Hengist dies. And then Lancelot says, still up to your old tricks again then, Merlin. And again, mm-hmm. when you, like, this was my first, like, like episode like 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 these whole like this set of sequences was the first thing of merlin that i ever saw and so when lancelot said that in my mind because this was the first character that i'd ever mentioned tricks or magic or whatever i assumed everyone knew <laughs> i thought everyone, well that would be a logical assumption or still yes, like you know still up to your old trick and when merlin said it's probably best you don't tell anyone about that i assumed he meant like you know trapping someone and killing them <laughs> i didn't know he meant like magic and so like i'm watching merlin like season one and i'm saying to my mom like hey when does arthur find out and she's like ha <laughs> summer child yeah it's kind of like that funny. just reminds me of when you were watching it with annie yeah. and annie asked you the same thing and i had to tell her the truth because i couldn't i couldn't do it to her i was like season five episode 13 <laughs> she was like <laughs> with about 30 minutes left <laughs> oh God. yeah i mean kind of the sweetest 30 minutes of anyone's existence really but still just ah uh. um and so they get out unscathed actually to get out um arthur's jamming his sword into a chain <laughs> on the door and i'm just <laughs> like never do that. hello hello police i'd like to report sword abuse <laughs> this man is jamming his sword into this chain that's not how it works that just that just sounds so wrong i hope you've realized that there is jamming his sword into a chain sorry yeah i would like to report sword abuse (laughs) you can go blind from abusing your sword too much seriously that's not how you treat a sword um so as they're trying to escape um you know uh lancelot is (laughs) He's trying to find out what the fuck is going on and why these guys are here. But he's like, oh, it's so it's so good to see you both. And um, basically what I love about this scene is the editing of it. And again, there's so little said, but everything is kind of just said with what's not said. And so Lancelot's like, oh, where are your knights? And Arthur's like, it's just us. And this is the sequence of shots. Gwen looks at Arthur, stunned. Lancelot looks at Merlin as if to be like, mm. and Lancelot <laughs> looks at Arthur as to be like, oh, <laughs> it's literally so good. Uh, and then, you know, he helps Gwen up and they have another hand holding moment, TM, and they look into each other's eyes and I'm happy. And then Lancelot just figuring it out. Like, you know, he's a smart cookie. He's a smart yeah. cookie. No, he did the poison on the string thing. So he's smart. He knows what's up. And so he thanks Arthur for saving their lives. Although I feel like that kind of twists the knife in it a little bit more. He's like, thank you so much for saving our lives. And now we'll live happily ever after. Thank you. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, Which follows on nicely to the one that is mega awkward. The four of them are just sitting by the campfire. And Lancelot, like, I don't, okay. I don't really know what his angle is here because I'm pretty sure he's already kind of figured it out, but I guess he's just like really wants to be sure. So he's just stirring the pot here. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of unlike him and I kind of love it. So he's like, it's so strange that Uther would send you on a mission. Just the two of you. <laughs> and it's just fantastic. Um, And Gwen is just kind of making a weird face and is very, very kind of confused by what's going on. And, Again, 
Arthur and Gwen don't say a word to each other. Not a word, but you kind of get lots of glances though. And like when he does say words, he's immediately putting his head down, like yeah, what kind of beg me and looking off to the side, like. "Mm -hmm." I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the words Gwen doesn't say are very clear when she gives him a look after that. But like in the meantime, like it's very actually difficult to decipher what she is doing there. Like if she's like, "Why are you here? Like, what does this mean?" It's very ambiguous whereas and again i'm not trying to play society but i'm just stating like it's 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 a nice contrast in a way to the very unambiguous look that she just gave lancelot when they were in the tunnels and he was holding her hand and it's like this is just like she just doesn't know what to think in this moment and it's really really good um (laughs) merlin's eyebrow raise after arthur says i only came because morgana begged me and the little yeah oh shit <laughs> even i know that's bad and I'm that's not what you car. told me by the yeah. ripper <laughs> yeah i'm surprised you didn't say that it's like that's not what you said shut up man <laughs> um but yeah it's uh it's absolutely brilliant like neither of them know a thing about women and i just absolutely <laughs> adore it they are just girls girls feelings feelings vaginas um <laughs> so uh i've called the next one the one with merlot but it's kind of like you know the one with merlot Merlin Lancelot. It's a pathetic play on words. Please pity me. And I do like before they go off the when uh, I'll go get some sleep. (laughs) Yeah, we should all get some sleep. I'll take watch. I'll just sit here then. The fourth wheel, like really much the fourth wheel. Now he knows how Leon feels. Yeah, poor Leon. (laughs) He's like always the fourth wheel. Um, so. This is really nicely kind of framed because like, and I think Bradley also mentioned this in the commentaries that he actually made an effort to kind of look as unattractive in the background of this shot as he could. Just this like hog, like laying on his back on a log snoring just to kind of like, just to really show the contrast in like what Gwen could have in Lancelot versus what she might have in Arthur. (laughs) And it's just, um, I just love that acting choice from him. It's amazing. Um, but I mean, nothing Bradley does is really going to make him look that unattractive. I'm sure Momo will tell you that because, you know, Momo is very interested in Bradley. So <laughs> um, Colin says almost nothing in this scene. And yet he is so good. Like I could just watch his expressions in this scene all day because he does a brilliant job. Lancelot is just kind of monologue, not monologuing, but he's like, you know, is it, is it true that you know that's the reason why he came and Merlin just looks down he he does not look happy to be (laughs) I mean what must be going through his mind at this moment because he asks um what about you do you have feelings for Gwen and then Lancelot you know gives his uh speech about how his feelings don't matter and that he won't come between them and that um you know I need to get out of the situation before I cause anyone any more harm than I already have because my boy is severely depressed and has absolutely no self-worth and I need someone to hug him. And (laughs) Merlin, uh, Merlin just kind of sits there and there's a wide shot of the two of them where you see both of their expressions. Lancelot is looking off into the distant emoingly and Merlin is just looking down and to the side and really conflicted. And I don't really know... Like, I 
I wonder what he's conflicted about. Like, if he's conflicted about whether he thinks... I mean, you know, I'm not saying that he holds the deciding power here, but just, uh, you know, everyone has an opinion. Like, if he thinks that Lancelot would be the better choice for Gwen, or if he thinks that, Arthur, you know, if Gwen loves Arthur, like, I don't know. Maybe because he's seen the way that Gwen is looking at Lancelot, whereas he obviously wasn't around in Once and Future Queen. He doesn't know what Gwen's feelings are for Arthur. So maybe he sees Arthur's feelings and is like, well, I need to be loyal to Arthur because, you know, Arthur is most important to me and I need to make sure he's happy. But then again, Gwen looks like she kind of loves Lancelot more. So I don't know who to side with here. It's like all of this is what he's thinking as he's looking down like, yeah, oh God, it's got so complicated. These are three people that he cares a lot about. Lancelot's the only one who knows who he really is. Mm-hmm. besides Gaius um and Gwen has been his friend since the moment she saw him in the stocks um and he's Arthur's growing on him um and so he cares about all of them he doesn't want any of them to get hurt and he knows he knows that no matter what he says no matter what he does no one's getting out of this with their emotions intact someone's going to get hurt um mm-hmm. and i think that's where he is he's he's feeling that i'm he's stuck between all of them, he can't help any of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of why he doesn't say anything. Isn't that just a beautiful metaphor for just basically Merlin's entire existence? That he knows more than any of the other people know, and he it's down to him to make the decision whose feelings to hurt, who, you know, hyperbolically to say who gets to die, who gets to live. Like, Merlin is usually the one who has all the facts and it's down to him to make the decision so in this scene again it's down to him because he knows how arthur feels he has he knows how lancelot feels he has seen how gwen appears to be feeling at, at least about lancelot so he has at least 90 percent more facts than any of the other people in this situation do and he probably has an inkling that if he told lancelot that you know, he's seen how Gwen looks at him and that he thinks that Gwen would be better off with him, that Lancelot would stay. So it's down to him once more to make the decision who gets to have the girl and who doesn't. I mean, it's still it's still ultimately Lancelot's decision to leave, but still, Merlin has an influence here. So mm. it's funny you should say that, that he knows that he has all the cards. He can see all the cards um, because the music that's playing in the background of both Merlin's conversation with Lancelot by the fire... And Merlin's conversation with Arthur by the river is Morgana close to death. That's the song oh, playing. Wow. When he has all the cards. <laughs> when he has all the cards and he knows what's going on and he has to make this choice based on the grief of all the people that he sees around him. It's the That's same amazing. thing. See, um, this is why we have a music specialist on this episode. Yes. Now. <laughs> you got it on all the episodes there, Cello. Um, and then, <laughs> then what's interesting is that so they have this conversation and Lancelot makes his decision that he's going to go and he announces it and then Merlin goes back to the fire and Gwen wakes up and that's when it transitions into Lancelot leaves oh my god that's amazing oh it's such a beautiful cue I've always loved it and this scene is but, uh, it's so heartbreaking because you just like Gwen she looks so happy when she wakes up. Yeah. Yeah. And and it just makes me kind of like pine 
for like her waking up that way every morning of them and their married life together and like her being happy to see him and then it kind of dawns on her you know that he's left and I just love kind of her stages of breaking down like that she's kind of first she's kind of holding it in and she's nodding as Merlin is talking and in a way, I think she was kind of expecting this because, A, I don't think... I mean, interestingly, I don't think she expected either of them to survive this. So it was kind of, like, incredible that they even had this chance to begin with. And I think that deep down, she kind of didn't think that her and Lancelot would stay on the same path after they left because while they were, you know, imprisoned together, they... You know, he was talking about how I'm going to get you out of here. You know, I'm going to help you escape. My journey is, you know, something different. I am a terrible person. And like his his words always felt like they were on different paths. So maybe she just actually expected that when they left, they'd be like, all right, see ya. (laughs) Like, I've done my bit kind of thing. And so she's kind of like elated when she first wakes up and then it hits her. Oh, like, because it's a very quick c- conclusion to jump to. Oh, he's left. Like he could just be peeing. <laughs> like, yeah. He might yeah. not have left, but it's like, she was fearing it all along that this, like that their time together was limited. And that's why she's kind of nodding as Merlin is speaking. Like he, he didn't know. I mean, it's not just that Lancelot is in a different place emotionally and mentally than she is but also Lancelot is still very much banned from Camelot like he couldn't have gone back with her so either she would have had to go with him or they would have had to say goodbye for now but I think what she did expect is that at least they would say goodbye to each other instead he just snuck away in the middle of the night and that's what really hit her and that is why she's like like she did expect him to leave right. she did expect them to part ways at least for a time but she at least expected him to fucking say goodbye yeah. <laughs> you know no i think you're right i think yeah that is kind of what jerks her away because she's like oh no like he's he's already left yeah Ugh. i mean do you think that she knows that lancelot is picking up on the vibes between her and arthur no you don't think so Mm-mm. I think because she has no reason to think that like with the way Arthur has been behaving last night like I always read when he says oh no Morgana begged me Morgana, uh, Gwen has this very angry reaction to that where she's like oh is that re-? like I'm sure she knows that it's not actually true but in that moment to her that comment appears so callous and uncaring like he doesn't care about her he just cares about what Morgana wanted him to do you know so I don't think that she thought that Lancelot would have thought that she and Arthur might have had a short something whatever it is a couple of months ago (laughs) whatever it was supposed to have been yeah, like, like I don't. Whole, mm, uh, did you come here to say no? I only came because Morgana, Morgana begged, begged me. me. Oh yeah, yeah. they fucking <laughs> like no, yeah. no. So like, it does not seriously... give that vibe at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Lancelot is not a shipper. He doesn't read these pacific regs of digs as oh yeah, they're secretly fucking. He <laughs> just reads things as there. I was like, oh, you and Morgana are in love because you did such an amazing thing for her. <laughs> Probably, that's probably exactly what he's thinking until um, 
Well, actually, then he starts thinking that Arthur has feelings for her. Or was it that he thinks Gwen has feelings for Arthur? Either no, no, way. He said, uh, Arthur has feelings for Gwen. And like we, I mean, we already discussed this at length in the Lance. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it was either Lancelot or Lancelot and Gwen, the shipping one, where, you know, I think because his self-worth is so low and he's like, I all I have done in the past year is kill people for a living. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I've been working for this monster. How could I have done that? Gwen has made me realize that there's more to life than this. And then he sees someone like Arthur who, you know, has, according to him, has it all figured out. Like you said, he's he is noble and he's worthy of me serving him, TM, you know, and he is the like the shining glory of what a man should be. And why would he ever imagine that Gwen would not like, you know, f you know, fall to his knees, you know, like the moment he said, I'm in love with you. And that's what makes him kind of cower because he's like, I'm just I can't live up to that. Like, I can't. Right. And it's just like, uh, Lancelot, baby. <laughs> you can you can and you do like like you ha arthur doesn't have the way with words arthur doesn't have the way with the words the way that you do arthur says things like destiny and chicken you say things like i will die for you 100 times over don't you know what it is women really want <laughs> clearly he doesn't uh, or else he would have good. fucking stayed yeah <laughs> because what um, women really appreciate is being asked their opinion exactly. <sighs> Lance a lot. Um, but Gwen is not happy. She <laughs> she actually kind of turns away from Merlin and like wipes her tears and uh actually Arthur sees her crying, obviously, which then starts sowing the seeds in his mind that, you know, this was something very, very serious for her, and she pretends like she wasn't crying while he's looking then when he leaves she actually properly breaks down and again it's just these little acting choices there's so much subtlety in this episode i love it and especially like i said with this arwen thing like no dialogue passed between them but it's just fucking flawless i love it and then they head back to camelot with <laughs> like why couldn't like two people share one horse like why is Merlin walking all the way back to Camelot? I will never understand this ever. <laughs> like why couldn't okay why couldn't Merlin and Gwen share a horse? They're friends. Like I, uh, whatever. I don't know. But that shot of them walking back to the towards Camelot in the sunset. Mwah, that's my shot of the the show. Not the show, but like this episode. That's yeah. my favorite one. The best shot. Beautiful. So beautiful with the gold the gold sun. Oh, mm. love it. Um, and then, you know, Morgana having, I mean, I don't know if, like, why she's just standing by that window particularly, but it makes her a really pretty shot. And Gwen somehow managed to sneak up all the way behind Arthur without yeah. Morgana noticing. <laughs> it's just such a weird shot yeah. because he's, there's no one behind him in the previous one. And she's up higher than him. So she should, uh, whatever. She'd have what? seen, yeah. It's, I mean, it's cute. It's very, very cute. It does and remind me a bit of um, when Lancelot, when, when they thought, you know, Merlin was like, oh, I got bad news. Oh, he made it. Listen, I have never thought about that. Someone needs to gift that. I mean, if I oh, mean, maybe sorry. they have. <laughs> this is why I wish that we'd cut a couple of like the Murtha scenes and like maybe have a scene of Morgana back in Camelot. Just one, because like th she was kind of like the reason why this entire episode, I mean, not the reason why the episode happened, but like, you know, she's the one that kind of, you know, 
was lobbying for Gwen to being rescued so badly. And obviously Arthur would have probably gone anyway, but I feel like this was also an emotional thread of the episode and their friendship. And I wish that like we'd had just one scene back in Camelot, but I get it would have disrupted. Like It'd been hard to find something, I guess. I mean, aside from her just going, and I never got to my father's grave. <laughs> but maybe even, you know, like a scene similar to what we had in Poison Chalice between her and Uther, where it was like, where's my son? <laughs> like at this point, it was just, <laughs> like he, okay. Uther is basically like Gwen in that moment where she wakes up and like, she, like as soon as she notices that Lancelot's not there, she just assumes that he's gone. And like, <laughs> Uther's basically this, like that's Uther with Arthur. Like at this point, he's just like, I mean, how often has Arthur run away at this point? That's true. Like, it's been a couple so, days. He's just I don't like, know if he left an alibi. Uther, Uther is just really stressed. Like, yes. I just really feel for him. Like, a lot. Happy um, is the head that wears the crown. Indeed. <laughs> it's a beautiful crown. Uh, and then there's the famous over-the-shoulder shot, which, again, no words really needed. It's really, really good. Uh, I... I'll be honest with you, I'm not really that, not really uh, polished up on my Arwen meta, so I'm relying on you Arwen shippers to maybe fill in the blanks here with this look and Arthur's walking away and Gwen staring at him and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, please tell me what you think they're thinking in that moment. Um, and what's really funny is I have always, like for years, because of the way it's edited, I just thought that like, the shot that follows with like them like Merlin and Arthur walking down the stairs like followed from Arthur walking down that staircase Merlin meeting up with him like at the foot of it which is where it comes out onto those stairs and then him going you still got me but of course they're wearing different clothes and yes. I'm like that's a different day which means that that follows a scene that was probably cut because it's like I actually think they cut this to try and trick us that it followed on from this scene surely because like it's so completely out of place otherwise like oh we got to a different day they're wearing different clothes it's, so it's already weird. weirdly edited i mean first of all the rare blue tunic which i love yeah i love that blue tunic but so this this feels like one of those situations as brox as an editor you might you might know this i'm quite familiar you have two takes the beginning of one is trash but the ending is good and the ending of the other one is is trash but the beginning is good and you got to get these two to talk to to, to to connect so you need some coverage to, to cover Ooh, the cut yeah. and so with this they're walking down the stairs and then all of a sudden it's a cut to some rando villagers and merlin's dialogue's happening over those <laughs> villagers look on the bright side and it cuts back to them on the stairs yeah. and there's like you got me and it's like but that was weird why the rando villager cut like coverage yeah it's got to be it's got it's got to cover that cut because i think that the 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 beginning of that first take was great and the end must have been terrible because even the the cut that they used that they cut to merlin's kind of way off to the the side and he kind of slides in real quick and he starts talking and i'm like i feel like something was up in the editorial there so something went wrong i mean i don't i feel like this scene feels very out of place for the Mm. for the emotional like punch that comes at the end of this episode i don't really know what they were thinking i don't understand why it couldn't have just ended with arthur walking down the stairs like that would have been a completely fine ending maybe they needed like an extra few seconds for the for like 
maybe it's a short episode I don't actually know but it's it's really it's not good the only thing that I like about it is that we get like a long shot of Mel and Arthur walking side by side which shows us the height difference TM which I I just love that Colin's just a little bit taller (laughs) um so that is the end of the episode we just we just end on a you really are a complete idiot aren't you Merlin Merlin and that's it and like I said just I really love this episode I mean what's your guys's just general thoughts you I mean I'm I'm shocked to hear that you actually haven't watched it pretty much since it aired or one of you said that because I mean I obviously vid it a lot because Gwent's a lot but also because it was one of the commentary uh tracks I just watch Bradley and Colin talking about it like all the time because I love hearing them talk so I have probably seen it so many times just because of their commentary and i'm really interested that like this is the first time you've seen it in ages um yeah that was me i i I hadn't seen it in a long time actually i i haven't done a a proper rewatch of the show i i live in the fandom headcanon area now yeah that's i just i just create all this stuff that's Mm -hmm. probably better not to rewatch it honestly (laughs) that's that's about where i am too truthfully But but Amp was the one who's actually said it. So, so yeah, actually going back and watching it, like just even that first bit, I was like, and like the the main theme, and I'm like, oh, it's been so long. I'm nostalgic. Aww. <laughs> Hearing the main theme again and seeing those guys be goofballs, and but yeah, it was, it was it was almost like watching it for the first time again. So yeah. it was it was quite lovely. Amazing. Well, I think that. That might be the end of Lancelot and Guinevere, and I'm just kind of like, like I'm not trying to draw it out, but I'm sad that like we're at the end of the episode because this, I probably if I haven't done like a top five or top ten Merlin episodes uh, list, woe me, I really should have done one by now. But if I, I mean, Poison Chalice is always just at the top, no matter what. This would be in my top five though if I had a top five <laughs> list. I mean, I just want to throw out um. Sorry, guys. I don't like to drag this out either, but um, I do have a recommendation. <gasps> there is a Lancelot and Guinevere and a magic reveal from by Whimsycatcher. It's fan art and it is beautiful. It's in black and white with the golden magic of Merlin. Uh, it's when Arthur sees Merlin using magic to close the gate oh. when they're escaping. And... It's it's so lovely. The that, golden, that the sounds golden. awesome. And, and and also I'd recommend uh Colin's Wilderin fan art <laughs> that he did for the, 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 the challenge. It's just adorable. Amazing. And I mean the, I mean, I know we don't normally do Rex, but I'm just gonna say that you guys should listen to the commentary for Lancelot and Guinevere because it's really great and it's just Bradley and Colin being Bradley and Colin and it has some real hidden shippy gems and just lots of good stuff, so please go listen to it. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, talking about credits, our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings exclusively from a listen. Any other music you heard in this episode comes from freesound.org. The manip on our cover art is from Brolin's Keep and the cover itself was made by me. Also, I am Momotastic on AO3 where I post fanfic and I'm Momopods on AO3 where I post podfic. And I am Snowfox. In various places. Tumblr is one of them. Instagram is another one. So go ahead and take a look at that. Yeah. Awesome. Cello, where can we find you? Oh, I am Alta Cello in a lot of places. Um, Twitter, 
Tumblr, LJ, Dreamwidth, AO3, Pillow Fort. I think that's all of them. Um, but I'm always also cello, so I'm super easy to get a hold of. Awesome. And you, Amp? Yeah, I'm Amphigori everywhere on Twitter, Tumblr, LiveJournal. Uh, actually, Tumblr, I think it's Amphigori-Art, because it was taken. And yeah, on Pillowfort as well. And AO3, probably. AO3, yes. That's relatively new. And I might be starting up something on Twitch to stream art. Ooh, nice. Amphigori there as well. Nice, very nice. All right, guys. In two weeks' time, we will be talking about fanfics again. And this time, we will be talking about crossover and fusion fics. We have two guests invited for that one, so it's bound to be interesting with lots of discussion. I hope you're looking forward to it. And until then, I'm Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And our guests for this episode were Cello. Hello. And goodbye. And Academy Award winner, Amphigori. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.